I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, Chief Scientific Officer of The Wellness Company. And I want everyone to go to twc.health forward slash Pete, like my first name, Pete. But this is actually for Pete Santilli. And I can tell you, it's very important that you pick up a COVID kit, which is the wellness company's offering. So you're prepared, giving you all the drugs to manage all the variants of COVID, including a budesonide nebulized device, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, all the necessary medications never get burned again with a case of COVID-19, can't get a hold of the doctor or the pharmacist, won't prescribe the medications. And then to be extra prepared, get a family kit, the Wellness Company Emergency Kit. That's the blue kit. That has a complete formulary to defend you against anything that comes down the line, including the Chinese pneumonia, bladder infection, bronchitis, yeast infection, anthrax. You'll be fully covered, a full uh, formulary for you to have at home and any questions on this, the kits include a, um, a telemedicine consultation and a home guide so you know what you're doing with the drugs. You're going to take control of your own destiny, uh, twc.health forward slash Pete, the COVID kit and the emergency medical kit offered by The Wellness Company. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. See you soon. food on the table for their kids to be able to have a little bit of breathing room. As my dad would then say, with a little breathing room. To give families just a little bit more breathing room. Give them a little bit of breathing room every month. Providing some extra breathing room for families. And my dad would just say, just a little breathing room. We're just looking for a little bit of breathing room. As my dad used to say, just a little more breathing room. In order to provide a little breathing room for millions of American families. We finally have a little more breathing room. It's a little bit of breathing room. Just a little breathing room. A little bit of breathing room. you got to give these folks a little bit of breathing room. In order to provide a little breathing room for millions of American families. It gave them just a little bit of breathing room. A little more breathing room. To give them just a little bit of breathing room. A little bit of breathing room. Just a little bit of breathing room. Everybody's entitled just a little bit of breathing room. Just a little bit. A little bit of breathing room. You know, my dad used to say every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. Previously, on the Pete Santilli Show. Here's the major news. Last night, I had Michael Yon on. 
as a guest. And within two minutes of going live, he sends me this video. I'm looking at it. Like, what the hell is that? He goes, this just came off the border. He said, um, uh, Colonel Pete Chambers, you know, retired Colonel Pete Chambers, uh, former uh, Special Forces flight surgeon, right? Um, had uh, had drone footage, uh, his drone footage. It was exclusive because the Border Patrol had relayed to him. You're going to hear this story. Border Patrol had relayed to him, given him some intel. I mean, they're, the Border Patrol is kind of split. All right, the Patriots are standing contact with the right people but they said here's this area where 5,000 illegal immigrants were staged for invasion okay and uh, that came um, in the form of this right here take a look at this right See this five K on this side. Dangerous nation side. There's seven K staged up, but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the ground. But that's thermal, so you can see there's blankets on them because it is cool out here. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna hear from uh, wow. from Dr. P. Chambers. So, there you go. Okay. We're recording. So that's 5K on this side, Piedras Negras, the other side, there's 7K staged up, but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone, but that's thermal, so you can see wow. the blankets on them because it is cool. Almost, almost, uh, almost a real-time feed, Dr. P. Chambers. Michael Yon, welcome back. Thanks for making this connection. And you're saying moments ago you just took this footage. Dr. Pete, if you can give us uh, a rundown of what we just saw and how that information came about. Yeah, okay. So I'm sitting here with Andrew Molinex, the pilot and the uh, also producer of some documentaries. But uh, he came down to Texas so we could do exactly this, which was shine some light on what's going on. So just like a year and a half ago when 10, 16,000 Haitians showed up at, at Del Rio, we got the same situation happening here. So we got an insider at Border Patrol that said, hey, guys, you need to get down here right now. We got down here. He got the drone up pretty quick. Uh, we got over that point of entry at Eagle Pass, and that is the U.S. side. And there's a bridge. There's a train bridge on one side. You can see on that video. And the other side is the actual traffic point of entry for vehicles. Now, what we saw there was 5,000 roughly that was, that was already been uh, have been uh, basically corralled up in there. They got blankets on them. So that was a thermal image that you saw there. And that was uh, uh, about 20 minutes ago. And then on the other side, which we could not get over the Mexican side over their airspace, but we've got 7,000 more staged up. And that's from information coming in real time from a, a border patrol. He's gonna keep us apprised as to any changes there this evening. So we'll be able to report more, but that's, that's literally 20 minutes ago. We had to move because we we got in a spot where there was some uh, high visibility for us, and you can only fly those so long before they trigger on you. Yeah. Get some lights up. Okay, yep. uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we actually were scheduled to uh, to do a you know a little bit more of a, a formal interview with Michael Yan, but recent uh, just moments ago, 
Uh, we've got actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch this up right now, and then uh, Doctor, I have Michael Yon and Doctor Pete Chambers. We just got this video from down at uh, down at the border. So check this out right here. Uh, this is okay on this side. The Idris Negris. The other side. There's seven K staged up but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone, but that's thermal, so you can see there's blankets on them because it is cool out here. So, there you go. Okay, we're recording. So that's 5K on this side, the Adris Negris, the other side, there's 7K staged up, but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone, but... I wondered if a single person at the protest knew where it came from. The slogan first became famous 50 years ago, thanks to Cesar Chavez. He was the founder of the United Farm Workers Union. When Chavez said, si se puede, he meant something very different. Yes, we can seal the borders. Cesar Chavez hated illegal immigration. He was Hispanic, obviously, and definitely on the left, but he fought to keep illegal Mexican immigrants out of this country. He understood that peasants from Latin America will always work for less than Americans will. That's why employers prefer them. Chavez knew that. As long as we have a poor country bordering California, he once explained, it's going to be very difficult to win strikes. In 1969, Chavez led a march down the center of California to protest the hiring of illegal immigrant produce pickers. Marching alongside him was Democratic Senator Walter Mondale and the Reverend Ralph Abernathy, the longtime aide to Martin Luther King. Ten years later, Chavez dispatched armed union members into the desert to assault Mexican nationals who were trying to sneak across the border. Chavez's men beat immigrants with chains and whips made of barbed wire. Illegal aliens who dared to work as scabs had their houses firebombed and their cars burned. Chavez wasn't embarrassed about any of this. He bragged about it. No matter. Chavez remains a progressive hero. President Obama declared his birthday a commemorative federal holiday. It's an official day off in a half a dozen states. There's a college named after him and dozens of public schools. Cesar Chavez's life is a reminder of how much the left has changed and how quickly. Until recently, most Democrats agreed with Chavez. They opposed unchecked immigration because they knew it hurt American workers, and they were right. One study by a Harvard economist examined the effects of the mass migration of Cuban refugees to this country in 1980, the so-called Mariel Boatlift. He found that American workers in Miami with a high school education saw their wages fall by more than 30% after the refugees arrived. If you believe in supply and demand, this is not surprising. After the fall of Saigon in 1975, Democratic Governor Jerry Brown opposed letting Vietnamese refugees into California on the grounds that the state already had enough poor people. As he put it at the time, there's something a little strange about saying, let's bring in 500,000 more people when we can't take care of the one million Californians out of work. First-term Senator Joe Biden of Delaware agreed. He introduced federal legislation to curb the arrival of the Vietnamese. Two decades later, leading Democrats were still wary of mass immigration, especially illegal immigration. As Bill Clinton put it in the 1995 State of the Union address, Americans are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public services they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. No prominent Democrat would say anything like that today without being denounced as a racist. Clinton got a standing ovation. 
As late as 2006, there were still liberals who cared about the economic effects of immigration, legal or illegal. Immigration reduces the wages of domestic workers who compete with immigrants, explained economist Paul Krugman in the New York Times. We'll need to reduce the inflow of low-skilled immigrants. Mainly that means better controls on illegal immigration. That same year, Senator Hillary Clinton voted for a fence on the Mexican border. So did Barack Obama and Chuck Schumer and 23 other Senate Democrats. Not anymore. 20 years after Bill Clinton told Americans they had the right to be upset about illegal immigration, his wife scolded the country for enforcing border controls. So what changed? Not the economics of it. The law of supply and demand remained in effect. It's not a coincidence that as illegal immigration surged, wages for American workers stagnated. What changed is that Democrats stopped caring about those workers, about the middle class, really. Why? Here's the answer in four simple facts. One, according to a recent study from Yale, there are at least 22 million illegal immigrants living in the United States. Two, Democrats plan to give all of them citizenship. Read the Democrats' 2016 party platform. Three, studies show the overwhelming majority of first-time immigrant voters vote Democrat. Four, the biggest landslide in American presidential history was only 17 million votes. Do the math. The payoff for Democrats? Permanent electoral majority for the foreseeable future. In a word, power. That's the point, no matter what they tell you. American workers be damned. I'm Tucker Carlson. This is the final battle. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, and fascists. We will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will rout the fake news media. And we will liberate America from these villains once and for all. common bond truly freedom freedom without freedom you can't be a christian no matter what denomination you belong to you can't be a buddhist you can't own a donut shop you can't drive from here to oregon you can't be an american because that's what it's all about and it's the only thing that it's all about nothing else Nothing else. It's about freedom. There is a time to pray and there's a time to stand.
it's been everywhere you go. What you do? I'm sorry. It's beginning to look a lot like the sun. I like it. Everywhere you go. Take a look at the five and It's really is again. Everywhere. And it canes and silver lanes that glow. It's beginning to look a lot like the sun. In every star, but the prettiest sight to see is the Hollywood on your own and boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Barney and Ben. Dawes that'll talk and we'll go for a walk is the hope I hear somebody in my ear going, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? We're enjoying Christmas. Are we baby. doing okay? Uh, yeah. Are we streaming live on Rumble? Okay. Rumble, did you hear that? Slap the board operator, Pete. A lot of distortion and crackling noise. Distortion and crackling noise. That mm. must suck to be at the receiving end. I know. It sounds perfect right here. It really does. That is what's so crazy about it. It's yeah. hard for us to measure it and fix yeah. it because so, it sounds great here. All of our technical gurus that are like, the board operator, Pete. No, mm. actually, somebody go get someone else other than John Brennan to be running the internet. <laughs> How about that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, because it's perfect at this end. We're sending... Everything out absolutely perfect, but by the time it, it gets to you, you might as well have a Supreme Court justice sinking their hooks into it mm. and destroying the audio feed, you know. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just want to let you know. It sounds like a fuzzy radio, so we yes. are having issues, huh? Yeah, it's terrible, mm. terrible. All right, everyone have a great day. Bye. <laughs> hmm? They said, we deal it's with it because better. we love the song. Look at yeah. somebody's watching me. It's, said, better, it's now. better now. And guess what I've done? Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. I've done, I haven't done any, anything. I think we've learned, you know, you just wait for a there second. There you go. Going live. I mean, everybody else, all of most of the other folks, I think they pre-record their shows and then they, and then of course they air them. So, um, so that's why they never have the troubles that we have. It's like when you go live, you you just have to deal with the well, internet. It's just uh, not perfect. Well, we have to deal with the, uh, uh, we'll call them idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Look at that J-Dog. Thank $5. you, J-Dog. I'm going to ask everybody. Daily contributions. There's static, static in the audio. No music, no crackle. There you go. Thank you very much for, you know. There we oh, go. Okay. Hmm? Maybe we were just pushing the, the song out a little bit too hard. Okay. Just so, good morning, little, Pete Santilli. Just yeah. a little cracking here is being said, right? Yeah. So, I wanted to say good cracking. morning to you, Pete. Huh? Uh, good morning to you. And we are going into the holiday. So, um, we will not be here on Monday because it is Christmas Day on Monday. But we'll be back on Tuesday. And we'll be here tomorrow. So, um, tomorrow will be our Christmas show, right? <laughs> Whatever that means. 
same old, same old, you know, DC isn't taking a break, so neither can we. But good morning to our friends over on Local. These are amazing. Thank you for being with us this morning. And good morning, Lindell TV over there on Frank's Beach. Good morning to everybody who tunes into us there. Bright and early on the West Coast, East Coast, and somewhere in the middle. Good morning. Look at you. All dapper and everything. Yeah, look at you. Yeah. Are you going to get me a new pair of boots for Christmas since uh, chewing on? Uh, <laughs> uh, here, hold on a second. One minute, so. Oh, my gosh. Look. <laughs> this is why we call her chewing on. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, she did that when we first got her, too. She was just this little bitty tiny thing dragging. I mean, she was dragging Pete's boot around and, you know. <laughs> Chewing on. Chewing on. Pete went to get his Santa hat. <laughs> He'll yeah. wear a Santa hat for a Is minute this tomorrow, what it looks like over here in your cubicle? Yeah. Must be nice. Actually, maybe, maybe that's why I'm so stressed. Why don't you go sit over there and tell me. <laughs> Uh, tell me how stressed you get with the 40 screens. No, no, no. I, I'll pass. I'll just take my four. Fuzzy Pete. Yeah. What's, is it fuzzy? No. Mm -hmm. I had weird dreams last night. Mm -hmm. I was put through a machine that fed me while I traveled down a conveyor belt. What does that mean? That means. Fuzzy bear. Wow. That means you're a typical American feeder. <laughs> no, it what? doesn't. Uh, fuzzy bear. Don't pay any attention to him. He's so full of it. Don't even. <laughs> so, but good morning. And now, of course, good morning to our friends over at Rumble. Pete's picking on you already. He was no. just kidding, was he? I was just kidding. Fuzzy wuzzy Pete. Fuzzy wuzzy. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's how we're going we're gonna to roll this morning. Okay? Yeah. Uh, we're going to do some commentary. Um, I want to do just straight. Okay. Listen. Mm-hmm. If anybody says, oh, B, you didn't break. It's kind of like Alex Jones. He sits there at his desk. He's got all of his news reports laid out meticulously. He does. Okay. Well, at, somebody does it this. for him, I would imagine. This is all the stuff I need to get to today. Okay? Oh, yeah, this yeah. Is, all right. You're, you're like Kaylee uh, McEnany when she used to be awesome. Now uh, she's a little twit. Yeah. Okay. So here's the super top headlines that I have to cover. Uh-huh. Right. Um, Here's the really important stuff that I have to cover. Mm -hmm. And this is a crap I won't get to because I'm so <laughs> long-winded. Okay? What? Right? It is true. Uh, I mean, the, the level, okay, to, to produce a show, okay, mm -hmm. uh, we have to, uh, uh, to produce content, you have to consume a lot of content, a lot of preparatory yeah. work, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of preparatory work. Um, but, but this is what I want to do. I want to do a straight up news perusal with you guys. All right. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, does, does everybody, I'm going to ask some questions here and uh, you have to be careful because I'm going to lead you into a freaking hammering. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just know that right up front. Oh, Very boy. transparent. Huh? Yeah. I know exactly where I'm going to take you. You're going to be answering questions and it's mm -hmm. going to prove my point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how many of you right now, just I'm looking at the rumble chat. Obviously, I'm not going to ask locals because you guys are in locals. So so I've done everything that I possibly can. It's the same state of affairs with America, right? Um, 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, let's put it this way. Overall, not our listeners, all right, but we have to be able to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Overall, Americans are so apathetic that they've been trying to provoke race wars. Mm, Americans won't take the bank. Mm-hmm. Just because they just sit on their computers in, in their houses and they won't come out. They don't even care about racism. The racists won't even come out. They're right. so apathetic. Mm-hmm. They've, been, they've been trying to provoke, you know, with the summer of love, burning buildings down, billions of dollars of damage, smashing down freaking, you know, wanting their democracy to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they've tried to provoke an armed confrontation, right? Um, everybody sits at home. They've literally destroyed the financial markets. They've destroyed our constitution. They've stolen elections, okay? And, and, and literally, I would say, uh, most likely as a provocation, right? Mm-hmm. Like trying to provoke, like let's, I mean, what's it gonna take to get these guys out in the freaking streets so that we can round them up, declare martial law and freaking bring the hammer down on them, right? right? Mm-hmm. What is it going to take? Um, what's up, Jungle Jake? Jungle Jake. Oh, Jake Lang. I have an update for you guys on Jake Lang. Wait till you hear this. Mm-hmm. Mm. $100 what? Tip. $100 tip on locals? Are you kidding me? Who is that? Holy cow, Lori K. Merry Thank Christmas, you, Pete and Deb. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys questions very slowly. I'm going to take you right into it. It's kind of like, uh, I, I tell the story all the time. I went to the, in downtown Los Angeles, they have a mm-hmm. Farmer John's slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. And these tractor trailers pull up. You ever seen the tractor trailers with, it's got like uh, multiple, multiple stories yes. uh, with the pigs in there. Yes. Right? And then they got these ramps mm-hmm. and the pigs come out. They go running out. They go into the trough. They all line up. And, you know, the trough is big and then it squeezes down, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're in single file. And when the pigs at the front of the line realize they're next and they're looking forward and their friend is getting chopped up, getting the blade, mm-hmm. they start screaming and they're screaming to the back of the line, like saying, don't come this way. Everybody turn around. And you can't turn around because they're all, you know, in yeah. that trough. Yeah. So I'm going to take each and every one of you right to the blade. <laughs> oh boy. I don't want to hear any squealing. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you some questions here. We, we have to take action. Peaceful action. I'm not calling for, you know, uh, unlawful activity. None of that. Never suggest that. That's my legal disclaimer. Right. At no point in time. But we, we have to act. And we're just not. And, and our listening audience is a microcosm of this because I ask you to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And you refuse to do it. <laughs> it's so true. It, it, it's literally the truth. Yeah. It's not like we could sit here and say, we do this, but those other people aren't. It's not true. We're actually a direct reflection on the apathy of the American public that is allowing Supreme Court justices to say, you can't vote. Right? Like, we, the guy that you wanted to vote for, uh, we won't be able to get him in jail quick enough by the election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut you off. Yeah. So as Trump has always said, it's not about me coming after me. It's about you. 
you can't make choices. Mm-hmm. In the Supreme Court ruling, you know what they you know what they said in their Supreme Court ruling? I'm gonna read it to you. I put it up on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I lost it. Okay. I lost it. This is what they essentially said. And I don't need to read you legal mumbo jumbo. Right? Mm-hmm. They said they were gonna make their decision, you know, as a body, regardless of how the the public was gonna react to it. Mm-hmm. And they said, and their version of it is they were gonna uphold the law. All right. Mm-hmm. And the process by which they got to the point where they de- they deemed President Trump as an insurrectionist mm-hmm. was basically pummeling this guy without ever taking a look at all of the truth. They're going by the January 6th committee interpretation mm-hmm. and a shading of the facts. No exculpatory evidence. Right. right? Exculpatory. Mm-hmm. Meaning there's no testimony like there may have been five people that said, oh, my goodness, President Trump is so upset. He's like, well, what do I do? I want to send messaging out that, you know, the freaking Internet's down. Uh, but they need to stop this crap. We didn't come here for this. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear that testimony. Uh, all you heard was a molded, scripted. Why? Because before the event even started, they said, how are we going to get an insurrection charge? Right. And right. Then let's line all that up. And by the way, we could throw a couple FBI people in there and smash up windows and provoke people to do things they normally wouldn't do. And then, and then police, they're going to be short staffed. And, and then we're going to have somebody give an order to fire a freaking cannonball into a grandma out in the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. And we got to smoke and the crowd is going to go freaking ape shit. And then when we give the signal, open up all the doors and everyone's going to come walking in. Right. And then we'll say that, President Trump called them all here. He was the one that incited this whole thing. And they said, that's the insurrection charge. And it's mm-hmm. not even based on truth. It isn't. It's a complete and total fabricated, fabricated lie. Mm-hmm. So the Colorado Supreme Court, all right, uh, I suspect they, I mean, they, there's no way they did this on their own. There's no way because no person who has gone to law school and plowed their way on up all the way to the Supreme Court would ever look and say, this is just a freaking cabbage patch doll that was eaten up by Callie, the freaking chewing on dog, mm-hmm. right? It's got mm-hmm. holes all over it. The stuffing is everywhere. This is crazy. It's not even insurrection. Insurrection applies if the president, there was evidence that the president committed insurrection. Mm-hmm. No, they, they said that the insurrection was people breaking windows and the mainstream media taking a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And President Trump calling people to D.C., so therefore he incited that. Right. He didn't. He didn't incite that. He said, mm-hmm. we're going to walk down peacefully. I mean, I know for fact it went from the most patriotic event that I will ever go to. I remember specifically standing in the crowd when the flags went up. Mm-hmm. And I was breathing the air. It smelled like patriotic air. Mm-hmm. The, the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit was among us all. Everybody mm-hmm. was singing. We were very prayerful, very God-centered approach. And we believed there was that opportunity because they were, they were going to go, you know, make a decision. That we're going to certify the election. And there was that possibility where they said, hold on a second. We've got some questions. Let's 
for 10 days, let's just investigate this thing. Give the people mm-hmm. that are on the outside of this building, at least, go to them and say, you guys, you, you're, you're right. There's enough of a question. There's a million and a half of you here, you know, uh, of the 80 million people that voted, you know, a million of them, right, showed up mm-hmm. to say, we question what the hell just happened. So we think that we should investigate it. No, that didn't happen. They ramrodded that. They ramrodded everybody into the jail. They said, we got to round up a bunch of people and send a message. Oh, is that what we do? Uh, we're, we're, we're arresting people to send messages? Hmm? You roll the cops into a uh, inner city and go beat a black man because you want to put on a show for everybody else that's watching on, right? Mm-hmm. Or did you go beat him up because you were protecting yourself from him resisting arrest and you had to go affect the search warrant because he committed a crime and all that stuff. We got to, you know, pursue the law. This guy violated the law and he's resisting arrest. No, they say, no, we beat him because everybody was watching and we Mm -hmm. just want to make sure that they get the message. Right. Right. What does it have to do with the law? What are you doing? These communists have literally shown us right before it is Folks, I hate to say it, it's not a depressing thing. It's a reality. We can change it immediately. Americans right now who profess to be patriotic, they profess to love their country. They profess to want, you know, to keep our way of life intact. Mm -hmm. And they're literally walking up, showing the screen saying, look, see, here's the end of democracy happening right before you Hmm. and nobody's doing anything about it. They're not, they're not rising up to it. And we have people that just sit online. I mean, I watch it up and it's not just you guys. I don't care what you're saying in the chat. I'm not picking on people. I'm talking an entire population of Mm -hmm. patriotic Americans are letting Marxist end democracy right in front of them. And they're like, Oh, nobody's gonna do anything about it oh my god nothing will ever get done at what point deb jordan here's the word i'm gonna throw to you Mm -hmm. at what point do the american people and it uh, listen you don't have to be educated you don't have to be skinny fat you don't have to be anything bring your soul to the party at what point Mm -hmm. do americans say wow they're right in my face raping my life, mm-hmm. stealing my future, destroying everything that I came here to, to, to defend. At what point do the American people say, stop enough? At what point? And it doesn't have to be violence. At what point do the American people, you know, say, it, people that say, well, uh, you know, my house is on fire, but I got to go to work. Some mm-hmm. people are busy. You know, okay, mm-hmm. well, your freaking house is on fire. You know, why don't you call in? Tell them I'm going to be late. I got to put the inferno out. If it, if, if this would have been happening, and to a degree it was happening in 2015, 2016, right before the very first election, and uh, then to a, a little bit more degree in uh, 20, right before the 2020 election. Um, if this would have been happening then, if they would have done this, then um, this, I mean, people would have been in the streets, but you know, they've taken out 
they've taken out a bunch of leading people who actually had the nerve to get in the streets and push back. So like the Proud Boys, they've taken them down. Uh, the Oath Keepers, they've taken them down. People are afraid uh, to get out in the streets. They're afraid to protest even just a little bit. And people, I think, are pretty happy with just being online. And it soothes them to be able to come and speak their mind on in the public, the new public square. But I think in it, I think it's made us very lethargic uh, when it comes to getting into the fight um, where protesting is concerned. All of these things together, Pete, um, has been very bad, very, very bad for us. The one thing you could say about the Democrats is when they want something, they don't let anything stop them. They don't. They get in the streets, and and we and we know that that's, they will go. Well, but we know that they will go to violence, even if it's That's, whatever it is, it gets yeah. the job done. But they can do violence. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because they've got people that spend a lot of money saying, you know what? It's kind of mm -hmm. like the Palestinians, right? Mm -hmm. They'll they'll pay and encourage a whole bunch of Palestinians to go right up to the, the fence. Mm -hmm. right? And beyond. Yeah. And, and beyond. They'll pay a bunch of people to be there. And, mm -hmm. and then what they'll do is say, and this is where the violence comes. You sprinkle a couple of Hezbollah and Hamas in the crowd, mm -hmm. and you've got this protective barrier and shield, right, mm -hmm. around to where the Israelis, for instance, they're not going to fire into the crowd because these are just a bunch of people, right, that are mm -hmm. yelling and screaming and they're throwing rocks, right? Right. So they're hesitating. Um, this psychological warfare that is upon us. Yeah, that's what it is. It is a psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking in the, you know, in the chats right now, mm -hmm. and I'm literally watching people make excuses, you know? Well, I mean, it's not, it, it's the psychological no, warfare. I'm not, not to attack them, I'm just saying, at what point you stop making mm -hmm. excuses? Well, the psychological warfare is very, I mean, it's productive. It always has been and didn't even really just take the internet to make this happen. If you look back on what they did to um, the Black Panthers, for instance, right? They, they infiltrated the Black Panthers, they got inside, and they created so much para uh, paranoia, right? And then they started arresting people and sending people to prison. And, it, you know, that has a huge effect. And it didn't even take the internet to bring down the Black Panthers. They did the same thing to the Weather Underground, right? Um, any group they're going to do this to. And when you're targeted and you're looked at as a domestic threat to the powers that be, to the, you know, to their, uh, to their power, they are going to come after you. I don't care who you are. And right now there's a lull and them going after, um, going after liberals per se, per se. They don't want them to get off script and they don't want them to, get so angry that they start coming after them right so they placate them and and uh, they pretend that they're on their side but sooner or later they're going to come after them too that is that is the way that it's going to be but people you know people are online and they don't okay. feel they don't feel any need to go out and really listen the, the government wouldn't be acting the way that it's acting pete if they weren't afraid of an uprising, 
right? They're they're really afraid of that. Uh, they they want to make sure that they get us nice and demonized. And uh, so, like, and you say it all the time, and this is the truth. They wanted to, it happened with the Black Panthers. They they got them so demonized in the news. And um, that when they finally started going after the Black Panthers, uh, they, people were like, well, you know, finally, they deserved it. And and that's just the way it is. Okay, that's what's going to happen Now let me here. ask you a couple of questions, and I want to hear from people in the chat room. Mm -hmm. um, if you had somebody step up to you right now, Okay, you're, you're, you're in your zone, you're watching me on Rumble or Locals, right? Mm -hmm. Or on Lindell TV. And, and would you want somebody to step up and say, all right, folks, I have the solution. We're, we're not going to bitch and moan and complain about this. Uh, here's a step-by-step -step process by which we can turn this around and do it like this. Would you guys want that right now? Like if I could go dial a telephone number, mm -hmm. right? Dial a number. Put that person online that says, all right, we got problems. Here's how we fix it, step by step. Would you guys want that? Would you guys want that? And I'm going to wait for, there's a little bit of a delay in the chat. Um, Robert Havey says, yeah. He always says, yeah. Um, is that what you guys want? Uh, it takes to make things go. It takes to make it one of sight. Uh, CD says, absolutely. Of course. Of course. Yes. The details are in the mix. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. repeat. You did that already, Pete. What is that? You did that already, Pete. Expound. Let's hear it. Right. I'm doing that, but lost credibility with Pete. Flagpole guy, you didn't lose credibility. What are you talking about? I literally have flagpole guy. <laughs> you didn't lose credibility with me. Absolutely not. He's a patriot. I literally mm -hmm. have hundreds of people that call me every single day, right? Mm -hmm. Is it not true? It how, is true. How many people do I have that call me? Oh, my goodness. I got this, and I'm doing this. It's impossible. I literally have to do triage, right? Mm. It's like a hundred people show up to me and say, oh my goodness, I'm bleeding and I'm going to eventually die unless I stop bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. And I got a hundred people and I say, okay, you five, you can stop your own bleeding, right? You other five, um, you're healing up. You're going to stop bleeding on your own, you know, just sit still for a little bit and, you know, don't get your heart rate up. Mm -hmm. You got to do triage. And then there's a couple people that are unconscious, you know, their carotid artery is, you know. Right? Mm -hmm. It's spurting, right? Yeah. Squirters. What? You They're know. going to die. Hold on a second. They're going to die. You got to pass them up and say, these people are, right? It's triage. Because mm. it was off our shelves for over 18 months. Good sass. So, mm -hmm. so what is everybody saying? All right. So I've been taking us through from myself, step by step by step. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, peace. I messaged you. Or there you go. In Tactical Civics, that's great. I'm in Thank Tactical Civics. I'm in Tactical Civics. I joined. Uh, you're going to hear from Bill Ogden. What a beautiful soul. Mm -hmm. What an American patriot. Uh -huh. I mean, there are a group of patriots. I spoke with a senior master sergeant, retiree from the U.S. Air Force. Guess what he's doing right now with his life? Guess what he's doing? 
What? Calling every single human being and calling them and calling them and working with people that are reaching out and joining tactical civics. And he's telling them step by step exactly what we need to do. And he said, if I have to call 100 million people to do that, this is a, a patriot, he's a veteran. He knows uh-huh. it can be done peacefully. Yeah. He just needs people to come to him. He will talk to them and he's not going to stop because he's going to do his part. Um, but he agrees as well that everybody is stuck in this rut. You've been literally brainwashed and conditioned, especially the conservatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they'll put Rand Paul up in front of you. And you know what they say behind the scenes, uh, like the behind closed doors, you know, under oath testimony when they're doing investigations in Congress, right? Mm-hmm. Those are serious investigations. Right. Uh, it's not in front of the cameras. They're actually about exposing the truth, pursuing the law. Uh, and they say, why don't you go public and make it try? And they say, you know what those hearings are for? Fundraising. Mm. All we do in knowing the cameras are on is everybody tries to get the best news clip to put us on Fox News. Big Pharma pays for that. Mm-hmm. And we get to send out an email thereafter and fundraise. We make money to run our campaigns. That's all that public charade is all about. It is to accomplish nothing. Mm. Nothing. So everybody thinks, well, Rand Paul is, he's our guy. Look at, he's told Fauci. When's the last time you saw uh, Fauci arrested? Never. Never. It's not, and he's never Does going he, to be. He's not even. Uh, the, uh, the, the, um, can we agree that the people on the left sitting on MSNBC are all being lied to? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, we over on this side, we tell the truth. And we know what they are. And we sit there and say, we know what the truth is. And here we are just freaking in a circle jerk. True thing. You know, we're truth, truth, truth. Right? Mm-hmm. Over on that side, you know what they do? They lie to them, get them so pissed off that they're willing to burn a freaking building down because of the insurrectionist, racist, Russia, 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 collusionist. I yeah. mean, can you imagine that if we had uh, the entire media that was telling us we needed to go kill Joe Biden because he's a threat to whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we would do something. We don't have that. You know what no. we got? We got Fox News. That says, hey, we need to run some big pharma ads and make tens of, you know, millions of dollars. Rand, can you make us a couple of clips with Fauci? Mm-hmm. And they're just making money. They have zero intention to get you to leave. They want you at home watching the TV. Their model is to keep you in front of the TV, hoping and that, you know, just is going to come. And everybody's saying 2024, President Trump is, you know what? They could assassinate President Trump. They mm-hmm. can remove him from the battle. But 2024, guess what? Guess what happened on December 20th of 20? Look at what happened. You're waiting for 2024, all right? Here we are sitting there waiting for 2024. And guess what? It's kind of like, we're going to go on a vacation. And we're going to go from here to Florida, right? Mm-hmm. And you're thinking about Florida. And what they do is they destroy all the roads between Ohio and Florida. And there you are thinking about so at a future go. date. 
So you can't even go. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, when I get to Florida, I'm going to do this and life is going to be good. And I'm going to you have your you get all vacation your plan, clothes right? and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. and then I say, hey, guess what? Oh, they just freaking wiped out a bridge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, well, so somebody needs to do something about that. Yeah. Well, they wiped out that bridge. Nobody did anything about well, it. I guess it's a staycation this year. Somebody said, somebody said this in the thread. They said, tell the police that they need to do with their job. Right. They're not doing their job. Yeah. Uh, you need a sheriff. Fact, to tell uh, the sheriff. The police, whatever. I mean, somebody yeah. in the thread said, tell the police to do it. Well, okay. The police. Guess what? The person that blew up the bridge as an insurance policy, he gets paid mm-hmm. on and he kicks down to the police and do me a favor. Uh, the guy that you saw running back and forth with the explosives mm-hmm. to blow up the bridge. Can you kind of look past that a little bit? Oh. And here's a little bit of money no. from my insurance. You got it all wrong. I do. Yeah. The police are the ones who are literally blowing up the bridge. They are. You're right. You're so right about that. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there expecting the police to fix the problem. It's kind of like telling the mafia, you know, you must do an <laughs> internal investigation. You know, uh, yeah. we found no wrongdoing. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Um, so now you ready? Now I'm going to, you guys are in charge of our destiny, right? I'm literally putting my, I have, uh, all of the faith in the world that you'll continue to support us. Right. So mm-hmm. that I can come back to work and berate you. <laughs> right? Listen to you. I have all the faith that you guys will understand that as I show up to work, I'm literally going to lay out a peaceful step-by-step method. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's not just me. You can't say, well, it's because we don't like it. You talk to us. Neither. No, it's not. You're doing the same thing. You get Molly coddled by Rand Paul. You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And he's articulate and he's, you know, all fanciful and he's on mainstream media. I don't hear too much from Rand Paul anymore. Well, anyways, you're relying upon a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, he's literally, his job is to speak libertarian to the Republicans, right? <laughs> And to yeah. cause you to not do anything. And you think that he's more popular than I am. Who accomplishes more as far as delivering the truth? Mm. Who accomplishes more? Rand yeah. Paul or Pete Santelli? Oh, well, you do. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, you're really, you're in the public eye every single day. Okay. He, what do, we both, he, what he do we both share in common? Uh, not much. Is that our <laughs> audience? Our audience? Thank you, Jumbo, Jungle Jake. It's not Rand Paul so or Pete Santilli, okay? Because mm-hmm. I could fix things. Mm-hmm. Rand Paul uh, won't fix things. That's his job. But what we share in common is that the people that are watching on are not mm-hmm. doing anything. Right. We could fix things or not fix things. Everyone's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. We are literally stuck right now. It's gotten so bad. Really just blatant right in your face. We are in a catatonic state. Mm-hmm. Catatonic. Well, you right. see what they're doing in California, right? This isn't just about Colorado. Look, New York, too. New York. Yes, New York is. With Chick-fil-A. Uh, and New York is, New York is going to, I mean, Trump doesn't have much of a chance to win in Colorado anyway. I mean, let's be realistic. And, and so it was. That's mi- secondary. I know. So. What it was meant to do was set up that first domino. And, and I've seen so many talk about this so eloquently, and it's true. It's meant to set up that first domino because there's a lot of dominoes set up behind it, right? You put that one in place and you give it a, a push. 
and the other ones start to fall. We're talking about New York. Uh, he doesn't have much of a chance to win in California either. Well, he does, but it's minuscule. Yeah, and California, but here's what California is going to do. They're, they're, California is doubling down, Pete. They're saying, we're not only going to take him off the ballot, but we're going to make sure that there is no option to write in did, his name. Did you know? Even. Did you know that this? And we're we're going to go. I'm actually going to bring on Bill Ogden. I'm going to have a conversation with him. Probably thirty minute segment. All mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That the citizen grand jury. All right. That has been hijacked. The whole process has been hijacked. Right. Uh, we we have available to us. We can actually have like a neutral party, a citizen, you know, uh, grand jury mm-hmm. that takes a look at it and says, what? Oh, they killed somebody in our county. Mm-hmm. Ooh, my goodness. And, and who's the perpetrator? Uh, it's, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci and Ralph Barrick. Let's say they have enough evidence. They see the emails, they knew what they were doing. And it resulted in, in our county, the death of a person, mm-hmm. right? Um, the grand jury is not limited they can actually share information in another county. And they can say, you need to bring an indictment against mm. these guys. They can actually cross borders. Anyone that's affecting the people in their county, they're not limited to, oh, we can only do things in our county. They can mm-hmm. bring subpoenas, okay? They can require testimony. They, we, the people, have the power, right? Mm-hmm. We have the power right there. Everybody's like, we, nobody's going to do anything. Okay, well, guess what? Uh, we have the power in you. You guys, all you need to do is to step up, right? Form a citizen grand jury and 3,300. And I'm talking like millions of people right now mm-hmm. could literally rise up and say, guess what? It's over. Boom, you're done. We have citizen grand juries. We're doing investigations. There will be indictments. People are going to jail. Um, we do a present and to a judge. Guess what the judge is required to do? What's that? They have to convene a grand jury and they have to preside over that proceeding. When the grand jury issues an indictment, mm-hmm. that's it. Their job is to open up that courtroom, right? Mm-hmm. You're all entitled to a defense and everything, right? Mm-hmm. But they preside over that based on what the people have said must be done. Amen. Right? Now, the Supreme Court, okay, has said, we're going to rule. And regardless of how the public is going to respond, we will uphold the law. Well, guess what, folks? That right there is so, because we the people have the ability, okay? If they say that the law is you must drive 20 miles an hour on California freeways. Mm -hmm. And everybody says, screw you, okay? We're not doing that, okay? But it's the law and we will uphold it. We don't care what everybody says in traffic. And we don't care that your one-hour commute is now a 17-hour commute because you have to drive 20 miles per hour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people can literally say, nullify that law. We want the law changed. That's what you're going to do. Because you upholding the law infringes on my right to go freaking earn a living, okay? Mm. And we're not going to do that. So the people can rise up and say, change the law a jury can sit there and listen to the evidence and hear that the person that's been accused of murder right that the government mm-hmm. says is murder mm-hmm. was in fact his own defense it's not murder 
he was defending himself. But if you hold a gun and it's not registered and blah, 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 and you take a rock and you smash somebody without a registered, registered blah, 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 uh, the jury's going to say, is that the law that requires registration? Guess what? Change the law. He was defending himself. The law is hereby nullified because that man has a right to defend himself. It doesn't even matter what the law is. A 12-member panel in that box has the ability to nullify the law if it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Does everyone recognize that? So everybody's asking, you know, what if 12 jurors got together and said, oh, nobody's doing anything. Uh, oh, well, actually, you can do something. Thank you, Lucy Gone with $50 Rumble Rant. Speaking of doing something, Pete you, and Deb are great. Thank you so much, Lucy. So so here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, okay, so what do I need to do? Do I need to talk nicer to everybody? Like, this isn't a nice conversation to have to, like, disparage Americans, right? Mm. It's not cool. Do I need to change my approach? Maybe lie to you, you know, <laughs> or, uh, or, or should I say, all right, everybody, guess what? And try to uh, psyop you, mm. to trick you into doing what you need to do to save your family. I'm really concerned mm. um, going into 2024, and I and and I hope that everyone understands exactly what's getting ready to happen. We lived through the last year of of Barack Obama. Mm. We lived it. We know what they're capable of. And I am telling you guys, this is going to go way beyond them rounding up people who were at, uh, you know, at the January 6th Capitol. Uh, but they're just, it's going to go beyond that, Pete. And, and I, I mean, know that it is. I feel it I mean, in my bones. I, I know what it was like yeah. with Barack Obama and they, he, his last year. He went full-blown tyranny. And this year is going to be all about, um, it's going to be all about the environment, okay? Joe Biden's going to make this huge push uh, to get people to uh, to get off the land, to, to stop raising cattle, poultry, and pork. Uh, there, there's just going to, I can feel it. I see it coming. I'm, I'm watching what's happening with the Bureau of Land Management, the Department of the Interior. They're starting to get their, they're starting to get their power back. I'm watching the environmentalist movement. Um, they're really amping this thing up. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, sooner or later, that's what it's going to be well, about. Well, here's my point. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, all these educated people, all these people in charge, they're putting power. George Soros pays for the district attorneys. They do mm-hmm. all this stuff. They set an entire infrastructure up, right? Mm-hmm. And we take 12 people from our chat room right now. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to use your real name. Just bring your soul, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want yeah. you to fill 12 seats. And we're going to present to you, all right, that George Soros is uh, running the DA's. Uh, Barack Obama's shagging children, doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And you pull the 12 people and say, all right, of all these things we just presented to you, um, they changed the laws to allow them to do all these really bad things to children, our society, the economy, mm-hmm. and our government. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think? Should we change things? What do you think the 12 people in the box are going to say? Mm-hmm. All right, like Barack Obama, he's, uh, he's actually running guns to Al- uh, Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he's allowed to do it because it's Operation Zero Footprint and it's state sanctioned and the law allows him to do that. So the 12 people in the jury box, the law is he's allowed to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Should he be able to do it, 12 people? What do you think they're going to say? If I ask the 12 people in the jury box, don't focus on the chat. Right? I'm not. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not yelling I'm, at you. Focus, Rick. I, I wasn't even looking at the chat. I'm going to ask I'm 12 people in the this. box thinking, what, you really have to think about the answer to that? Mm -hmm. If you do, then if you do, then then we're, we're done. We're finished. Keep going. I'm going to ask you the question again. You ready? Okay. You're, we got 12 people in the box mm -hmm. and we present to them. Barack Obama just sent billions of dollars, a million, hundreds of millions of dollars in mm -hmm. arms to Al Qaeda to shoot at our troops. Mm -hmm. And it was legal. It was operations of zero footprint. He was allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. And you ask the 12 people in the box, should be, should he be allowed to do that? The law allows him, you know, to do it. Mm-hmm. Is it inappropriate for him to ship guns to our enemy to shoot at our troops? What do you think the 12 people in the box are going to say? Well, that's, that's why I was thinking through what I was going to say. Because mm. in, in any logical form, the people would be absolutely um, against him being right. allowed to do that. Right. But in today's society, mm. the society that... Of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden's mm -hmm. of the world have helped to form. Um, they, you know, I think most people would say, well, you know, it's it, it's not really the right thing to do, but it's Barack Obama, so it has to be, so it has to be good for the country, or he wouldn't be doing it. You understand what I mean? So the law so allows. We don't know how people right. are going to vote. By the way, everybody is siding with you. Lil Sack says, oh, she's choosing her words carefully. She's right. And, and she always says, and the crowd, absolutely. Which is the trickery that I'm deploying upon our listening audience. <laughs> I'm allowed to be a uh, non-thinking, face-forward hand grenade, mm -hmm. right? Because I have uh, uh, on the screen right now somebody who's thoughtful, who is less of a firecracker. Well, uh, when you need to get stuff done, you call in the Marines, and mm -hmm. we're not going to be very thoughtful about blowing the freaking smithereens out of the place. Right? Correct, and that's so what we have a balance of the two. Well, that's why they're worried about <laughs> Donald J. Trump, right? I mean, they know that he's going to come in, and he's literally going to. It's not even just about retribution for Donald Trump; it's about retribution for us. I mean, how many people? Uh, how many people are sick and tired of these Democrats? Um, and these rhinos, right? These neocons, Pete, that, that do, they do exactly that. Hillary Clinton admitted it. They train the other side, right? They, 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 yeah. they uphold both sides of any war. And then, you know, and then we ended, we end up getting attacked for, for all their, right. you know, malfeasance. So, okay. So here's what we're going to do. Would a right? jury today, mm -hmm. would a jury today vote to do something about Barack Obama? While Barack Obama no, no, no. did, the, they, the they, point everybody is, knows that they did it. Here's the, here's the bottom line. And they it's haven't called, done anything. It's called jury nullification. The 12 mm -hmm. people in the box have the power. They do. If, if a jury is asked to make a decision, um, mm -hmm. the decision is going to be, you're not going to prove guilt or innocence. Uh, here's the question. We're going to convene. Mm -hmm. A 12-member panel of citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to.
to tell you what the law is. He's allowed to go issue arms to Al-Qaeda and shoot our troops. Yeah. The law is this. The jury can say, uh, we're going to nullify that law. And we're going to say Barack Obama should not be doing that. Mm -hmm. We, the jury, find the defendant um, uh, should be stopping doing what he's doing, mm -hmm. regardless of what the law is. It's nullification. Yeah. We have that power. Okay. And a lot of people Cliven, don't know that they do. Cliven Bundy said this. He was called mm -hmm. anti-government, anti-law enforcement, all that other stuff. And he sat down, and I have it. I saw the paper. Uh, and we, we wrote, it was actually the, the, the God, uh, God sheet, we called it, right? Mm -hmm. He said, you got all these government officials. You got all these laws. You got all this stuff. He said, here's we the people, right, on one side. You got all government bureaucrats, law enforcement, all these things, right? And then we've got we, we the people in the box. He said, mm -hmm. this is what I believe in. He said, all of my faith in our system of governance is in we the people. That's our government. Mm -hmm. He said, we're, we're, we're everyone in between we the people and the we the people in the box. They're doing everything they can to make sure that we don't live freely and the 12 people in the box are not given all the information they need to make the right decision because they will. Right. It's but one of the, the big pow the powers and we the people. It's one of the big issues that came up in, during uh, the Bundy Ranch trials was jury nullification. And they were literal, literally threatening us mm. uh, because we were going, you know, we had people that were organizing. They were going to, to the summer fairs. Mm. They were going to right. uh, all kinds of different places, Pete, and passing out information on jury nullification because you never know if the person you're handing something to is one of the jurors, yes. right? And it ended up that yes. a couple of them were. And they learned about jury nullification and the the um, uh, the prosecution asked the judge to stop us from doing that. And she refused to do it, it was one yeah. of her yeah. one of her things. She said, I can't do that yeah, outside right. this courtroom. I have no I control have my, over my, what people my do. My guest has been listening to this. He's not a guest, actually. He is a friend of America. Okay? Mm -hmm. He's a family member. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm not overblowing this. He is also a great, um, you know, as as a Marine, uh, you know, enlisted ranks. I would call him, you know, at the command level, he's like general grade. And he knows what we need to do. And I don't get paid to think. I need to get paid <laughs> to do. And he keeps me focused. Now, by yeah. the way, he, he comes as a uh, is great teacher, right? Um, mm -hmm. As we're uh, navigating our way through this thing, right? And we just had a conversation. And I said, if you could literally have somebody show up right now and I put a guest on the line and they have the solution, we could peacefully wipe everything out and we have the power to do it. Would you want that? Everybody's like, yes, bring it. We'll do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to do that. Now, who do we blame if we do not respond appropriately? Who do we blame? Do we blame the people that are destroying our country? Or do we blame the American people that refuse to enforce the laws that they have and the powers that they have? Who's to blame? The mm -hmm. criminal? All right. Mm -hmm. Do we blame the criminal? If somebody is uh, robbing a bank and walking to the bank, there's no police. The police say, hey, come on in. Put the money's back there. 
and all the employees are helping to facilitate the theft. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, somebody walks up to a police officer and says, aren't you going to stop them? They say, you know, I, I don't know. Nobody's going to do anything about it. You know, the system is screwed up. And you literally are allowing this guy to walk in, rob a bank, take the money, and nobody, nobody is doing anything. Mm-hmm. I know, but no one's going to get anything. Nothing can be done. You are the law enforcement officer. You have the power to stop him, arrest him, get the money, and put it back in the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're going to wait till 2024. How about right now? Well, 2024, we're going to do it. Who do you blame? The bank robber that was literally driven to the bank by the American people. Brought up front. Nothing gets done. Who do you blame? The criminal or the people that didn't stop him? They facilitated the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Who do you blame? So I'm going to go to Bill, Bill Ogden. And he's going to answer the question. Bill Ogden, sir, who do you blame? Oh, are you unmuted yet? I sent you an unmute request like minutes ago here. Stand by. Are you unmuted? Please tell me you are. Please tell me. Oh, my God. Goodness. Are you serious? Hold on. I might be able to fix that. Bill. Bill, I know I have perfect audio. It's beginning to look a lot like. Christmas everywhere you go. Okay, everything is working perfect. Sir, you want to reconnect because your audio is not connected. Okay, let's reconnect. We shall do that. Mm hmm. Grandiose run up to bringing Bill Ogden on. He was ready to go. I know he was chomping at the bit. I could see him stirring. I right? know, right? Uh, I and, know. Huh? And let me just do something real quick. Deb Jordan, I'm going to put you on screen. You ready? Okay. Do something truly spectacular. You know, okay? What do you mean? I don't know what you're truly spectacular. I have to walk across the road. Say hello. Oh, I yeah. did say hello. Say something. Yeah. So. Oh. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, yeah, I mean, when you talk about jury nullification, I know exactly what Pete's talking about here because we did this and, um, I mean, we were super active and the prosecutor was not happy about it, right? They said we were trying to interfere with the jury and we were trying to do all of these things. We said, no, we're just educating the jury that it is, it, it can be the law. I mean, you know, you can you can say, yes, that person broke that law for sure. But is the law, is that law a good law? You know? So, Bill, can you hear us now? Yes. He can, and I can hear him too. All right. So, and the jury was allowed to say, and a jury is allowed to say, well, that is a crappy law. And I'm not going to convict this person yeah. for breaking. Hey, Deb, so, yeah. that, that that Christmas elf is Denise. Oh, uh, <laughs> hi Denise. Hi there Denise. She is. How hi, are Denise. you? And by the way, live <laughs> from a farm in Pennsylvania, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ogden. Merry Christmas to you, folks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Ogden. All right, sir. Oh, she's uh, so sweet. So if I didn't get it right, if I got it wrong, I know that, um, you know, uh, you, you and I have a, a good enough relationship as in the fog of war. You you tell me, Pete Santilli, 
sure, the price of, uh, uh, you know, uh, chocolate shakes in New York City are skyrocketing. We could sit here and complain about it, but we're taking incoming fire. Stay focused. Point your muzzle downrange, figuratively speaking. Stay focused. Don't worry about the price of milkshakes in New York City and whether or not you have a paper straw or a plastic straw. For right now, let's focus on the people that are shooting at us. And we need to return fire with the most powerful ammunition we have. And that is all the tools that have been handed to us. We can get out of this. You keep me focused. We all need to stay focused, don't we? Yes, sir. Okay. So when I, when I, I use that scenario, you heard it. Who do we blame? You get to a certain point and we're watching literally right before us the end of democracy. You know, that that uh, Supreme Court ruling and all that stuff right in our faces. They can't get Trump. They can't jail him. They can't get, take him out before the election. So what do they do? They say, let's now shackle all of the voters. And that's how we'll prevent President Trump from getting in. Because we can't take him out. How about we go after the voters? The end of democracy right before our eyes. How do we respond to that? Do, do we come back and say, well, wait till 2024. They just took that out. What are our options at that point? What do we, the people do at that point? Do we watch the end of democracy or do we use every peaceful means to bring it back in order? Well, we have a, a virtually endless list of options. Uh, you know, there was so much in your question. Yes. Where do I begin? It was my fault that I didn't have sound. Now, I'm not really sure why I didn't have sound, but I fixed it because I uh, shut everything down and then opened everything back up and it worked. Perfect. So I was responsible for the lack of sound and I was responsible for getting the sound online. Mm -hmm. And uh, that works for me because I can blame Pete. It's all Pete's fault. He's clear out in Ohio, you know, who knows? I mean, it's round on the end and high in the middle anyway. Who can tell with those people? And in Cincinnati, and it's Bengals week where I live, so it, it's got to be Pete's fault. No, it wasn't Pete's fault. It was my fault. You know, I know Pete had sound. I could hear him talking to me, so it was my fault. Step one is to be responsible, or uh, you could rewrite it response-able. Uh there's a story told, and I'm thinking it involved Lavelle Edwards, former coach out at BYU. And uh, there was a pass play, and it was incomplete. And the receiver came off the field, and Lavelle said, what happened? And he said, oh, the quarterback overthrew me. He benched the receiver. Quarterback came off the field. He said, hey, what happened on that last play? He said, oh, I threw the ball too high. He said, that's all right. You'll get the next one. And the receiver said, "What's the? What, how, how come, you know, that's what I said. He said, you could have jumped higher. You could have run fast. You could have done something to catch that ball. If you're just going to blame the quarterback, we're going to put somebody else in who's going to take responsibility for their part in the play, too. And, you know, that's part of a value set that we have to teach is what responsibility is. I guess, I guess that's why kids get uh, puppies and turtles and stuff to learn chores and responsibility. you got to learn to take care of things. If you want something nice, you're going to have to take care of it. Let's extend it upward to our republic. Who's responsible? First of all, you said it's the end of democracy. Well, the founders never wanted a democracy. They wanted a republic. Yes. Democracies were all kinds of problems elsewhere. 
And these guys were readers, Locke, Montesquieu, uh, de Tocqueville later on. And they, they had some understanding about the problems with democracy. I'm thinking Rousseau, who is the uh, uh, philosophical founder of the French Revolution, led to all kinds of mayhem, guillotines, mass unrest, dictatorship and war in Europe. They were all about democracy. And, you know, uh, so we didn't want to do that here. So we are. It's a republic. Can I can I ask a republic? Can I ask a question? When I refer to democracy, okay, yeah. a system of government, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but by the people, right? Uh, it's democratic system where the people, as it refers to the people, is through a constitutional republic, and the way our elected representatives are put in charge of protecting the people's rights. So the democratic principles. Doesn't mean that, you know, that's how we get our elected representatives. We're a constitutional republic. Do you agree uh, that in order to well, have de- a democracy uh, for the people that that we get there uh, through uh, the republic? And the we're, way we're supposed started. to do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, it, and that's good. Uh, vast swaths of the public seem to not know that little technical detail. Tactical civics exists, of course, to teach and remediate some of that lost education so that people know uh, the construct in which they live. The other the other word, uh, and I'm not finding fault with you. Uh, I think, you know, when I grow up, I want to be Pete Santilli. That's just that's just what I think. Uh, what a great guy. He kept saying they. They did this. And who's they? And who gave they the authority? I thought we had the authority. Uh, and so you, you work backwards in time and history by virtue of defeating the British in the war for independence, the, mant- uh, uh, the uh, mantle of sovereignty fell upon the shoulders of we, the people. We rejected the king, we rejected the crown, and we became self-governing. And that goes in with a whole list of words that start uh, with self, self-governing, self-reliant, self-educated, self-aware, self-sufficient, you know, a whole bunch of American values. Uh, I'm responsible for my destiny. I came here to have freedom of religion and to be free to enterprise for a change. Uh, I met people in uh, New York City. We went to New York City. Uh, Denise there, my little Christmas elf, wherever she went, she she tried out for The Voice, and I took her to New York City. I might have told you this story, and I was a little hesitant. It's the city, you know, it's it's Babylon. It's whatever it is. And uh, I met people there. And these people are from all around the world. They came here because they wanted to own their own lives for a change, change instead of someone else acting like they owned them. They wanted to come and go as they pleased. Mm. And they wanted to have the freedom to do that which they thought they could and should do to enhance their own well-being, whether it was open a restaurant, or open a, a halal stand on the sidewalk, or whatever they wanted to do. They were interested in life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, just like we are up here in the sticks. Everybody wants the same thing. We want the freedom that America promises. And they, whoever they are, appear to want to be uh, despots. And I think in the Declaration uh, of Independence, which you seem to quote so eloquently and so often, 
It talks about on a long train of abuses and usurpations. Uh, uh, on a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object in means and designed to reduce them under absolute despotism. Well, that's what they're trying to do. Somebody's trying to be the boss of us. You know who's the boss of us? We are. And so in our form of government, we we did everything. You know, when the when the founders were here in 13 colonies, 13 states, and we began to expand, expand western, westward, uh, you know, we certainly weren't perfect. We did the best we could. You know, uh, we, we wanted things to work out, obviously, long term for our posterity. There's a good word to use. We uh, eventually got to be so populous that we could afford to hire some people to do some things at our direction. Not on our behalf, at our direction. Hey, Charlie, I want you to secure the perimeter here to make sure that there's no bandits, invaders, predators. You know, I have a dog, I pay for that. He works all night. He's he's a hardworking dog. He's on the payroll. Uh, he's out all night in the cold, and anything goes on, he's on top of it. He's an employee here. Now, I like him, but he's an employee here. So, too, is security when it's paid through government. Uh, my son, God love him, when he's home, is up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning if it snows, and he gets the snow plow out, and there's nothing quite like waking up in a warm room hearing the, the, the drone of a diesel tractor as your son removes the snow, makes me proud. Uh, he's an independent fellow. He just he does it on his own, but he's taken that responsibility. The township doesn't plow my road. We do. Township doesn't plow my driveway. We do. Uh, and I've told our state legislature, you know, as legislators, we cut a lot of the DOT if you just would let us take care of some of our own things, probably better than what you're doing it with less waste. But I digress. Do we have the authority to shut this thing down? Yes, whatever it is. We don't like it. We have the authority. We have the responsibility. And I guess the basic point is all those people that are, are bundled under the, the heading they, they work for us. And so I heard you guys kicking around jury nullification. Jury nullification is because the Crown made the law. The Crown appointed the judges. But Magna Carta gave us the right to the 12-man jury, the petite jury, and the jury can rule on the law and the crime. And so uh, one of the first things is it's a jury of your peers, 12 people that know Pete. And they would say things like, we know Pete. He wouldn't have done that, not guilty. Or we know Pete, and if he did do it, he probably had a good reason, not guilty. And we know Pete. He did it. But it's a bad law, not guilty. They can rule on the law. It nullifies the law because we, the people, create the law. And this is, again, where tactical civics exists, although we don't specifically cover jury nullification. We, we cover the grand jury and the state courts as opposed to the federal courts. The, the state courts are superior to federal courts. Federal courts are a construct of Congress. So if they drag you into federal court, you know, you're – you're going into the employee's court. It's like a job performance review, yeah. but it's backwards because you're, you're the owner. Even, you're, even on, you're even on land. 
that is a for that is foreign to the state. They sure. own that land right there. Once you cross that boundary and you're in their jurisdiction, you're going by their rules. And I, I have firsthand experience. Your sure you constitutional do. rights mean nothing to them. Well, in the Constitution, it says that Congress can actually uh, restrict that which the federal courts can bring in as a case. Congress control. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're doing great. It's Denise's fault. Well, let's call her. Yeah, they. We'll call her. They. There, I got it. I cured it. Uh -huh. The. Uh, of course, the phone barks at. And of course, that's the world I live in. Yes. The. Congress controls what is and isn't in bounds for federal courts, which means that the corrupt people who we hired, we hired people who either were corrupt or became corrupt, literally can manipulate the court to persecute. No, we're not going. No, 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 no. The only court that counts to me is, is 12 people from the community. 25 people in a grand jury, 12 in a petite jury. You know, I, I'll take my chances with the jury and my peers. You know, let me testify. I'll explain it to them from the from the stand. I'll just, you know, put me on, coach. I'll I'll tell them the problem and what tactical exists, tactical civics exists to address is that we have neglected our responsibility to teach the next generations the way our system works. And so biblically, it says, train up a child in a way that he should go. And when he's older, he will not depart from it. Remember that one? We need to be teaching tactical civics in the schools. We need to be teaching how the country was formed. We need, and uh, back when I used to be on my high horse before tactical civics, I had a little vignette I did with people. Um, everybody wants someone else to do the work, I said. You know, we put our kids on a yellow taxi and send them away from 12 years. And we know they'll just be fine when they get out of school. They'll know how the world works. My little granddaughter's a senior. She doesn't know anything about coal mining. In the third most dug up county in the United States, that child doesn't know what a spoil pile or a drag line is. Now, I can blame the schools all day long. My fault. She and I need to have a field trip. I will show her what the mining industry looks like from ground zero, my responsibility. If I wanted a kid to know something, I should have been telling them. We've had some discussions about what isn't uh, what isn't normal around here. How offensive can I get? Can I get real offensive? Can I offend most of America right now? You're stunned. I've stunned Pete Santilli. Can you what? Say again, you were chopped up there. Uh, uh, can I offend? Can I offend some of your audience? My love. Uh, oh, are you? I, I'm professional. I'm. I'm. I. That's. I show up to work. That's what I do. Uh, and I took my granddaughters out, and, and we talked because it was a current events thing about transitioning and and all that. I said, "Honey, what do they call gay animals on the farm?" And I don't know, grandfather. What I said, meat. Because if it doesn't reproduce effectively, it goes in the freezer. You know, let's be practical about how the world yeah. really works. I said, do you see old Dwayne up there? Dwayne's the old red stallion I got to feed every morning because his teeth are bad. You know, he doesn't have any back teeth. The next teeth are hollow. He can't process hay. So I, I, I am a caretaker, a steward of good old Dwayne because Dwayne's lived a glorious life and we aren't going to put him down just because his teeth are bad. I, my wife says, can't they get dentures or implants? No, they can't do that for a horse. Dwayne has been a gelding forever. 
but he still thinks he's a stallion. I told the girls this. They said, it's, he's not gender fluid. It doesn't work that way in the real world. And so the billism on this is the further people get from the farm, the more confused they tend to become. Now, I'm, uh, you know, Kevin Hoyt and I talk about the farther people get from nature, the natural world. They just start imagining all sorts of things that aren't true. And so everybody wants someone else to do the work. We expect the schools to cover that, which we believe are the important things our children desperately need to know. That's up to me to cover. I'm the wise guy now in the family, the, I, the elder with the hair. Can I can I use, you know, this uh, uh, younger generation of, you know, being uh, taught of the word free, like free education. Uh, they literally believe that the education, if it's, given to them that it's free they, they believe it they believe it it just comes out of thin air and it's you know whereas uh it, there's no yeah, such it thing as free uh, hmm? yeah it does it does come out of thin air sure the educational value of getting kicked in the head by a horse ends after the first kick the second one doesn't teach anything new but it came right out of thin air <laughs> yeah. All right. Is that fence on? Go ahead and grab it. That's educational. You know, it comes out. In other words, why do we put the rake with the tines down? Because if you leave it up and you step on it, the handle comes up and smacks you in the head. Oof. That's educational. Yes. You know, I, I guess my definition of what's educational and what's not is that stove hot? Well, son, there's a red light light on the top that indicates that perhaps you don't want to put your hand on it. But if you need to learn it, you have a different learning channel, you know, go for it. Um, you know, uh, it's taken me all these years to learn I don't understand women. God gave me a wife, three daughters, bunch of granddaughters. And, uh, you know, I'm just along for the for the enjoyment of it all. Uh, God has a sense of humor. I know what I don't know. Man, uh, Josie Wales, man's got to learn his limitations. I've got many. Uh we expect to put people in, in the state house and the federal house, and we don't even talk to them. You know, they're from our team. Our team has the majority now. We're going to have no, – no, we aren't. No, you can't just send people to Congress and hope for the best. You have to be materially involved in supervising your governance because they're your employees. Where in America can you get a job where nobody supervises you? Government, that would be the only place. Where in America can you find an employer that is so slothful that they literally hire somebody to do things that they never check their work? Government, America, you know, I, I, what? Uh, medicine, people go to the doctor, they say, give me a pill. I don't care about the side effects. Don't talk to me about health or hydration or exercise or nutrition or, or sleep or any of that. Just give me some chemical that'll make me feel better. How's that working out? You know, here's, let me pull up my sleep. And then uh, what's wrong? Well, we'll go to church. We expect the pastor to, to uh, read the scripture, talk to Jesus, let us know what was covered. Get me out of there. Tom, I got around to golf this afternoon at one. Uh, and I want to get some lunch in first. And in all four of those cases, corporate medicine, corporate education, corporate politician, corporate politics, corporate health, it's failed. Everyone has failed. And interestingly enough, or paradoxically, if you go to a physician, that's a uh, sole proprietor of his practice where he's not beholden to the corporate lawyers and insurance people where he can actually deal with you, the, the patient. It's a whole different experience when you do that. Homeschooling, probably going to save the world because parents are educating their children. 
you know, I, maybe the Amish schools, that's the next step up. Same idea. Governance, it's got to be self-governance where you're involved. You know, I talk to my state legislator a couple times a month about whatever, uh, mostly so he can tell me he, he's proud of himself. He's in the lead for voting no. Of all the people down there, he's voted no on more things than anybody else. Now, he said, there's somebody else catching up. Uh, and I said, well, that means you either missed one or voted yes. What happened? He gets quiet. Uh, but you got to talk to these people. You know, we had a new one uh, the last cycle before we were redistricting. And I said, a meeting, go in. He's like, what's this meeting about? I said, how are you supposed to represent me? You're called my representative. How are you supposed to do that if we've never met? I thought it would be well for me to come into your office and we could talk for a little while and I could find out who you are and you could find out who I am so that when you're in Harrisburg, you could carry the mail for me. Oh, he said, that's a good idea. Duh. Yeah, that's a good idea. Church, I can read. I have a copy of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is available to me. I'm responsible for that. I can't live my life saying, well, the preacher said, well, you you oh, know, uh, he might be eloquent. Can I, can I extend cheap. that? Can I, we're, we're held to account. Uh, we live our lives. There's a reason we're supposed to exercise our free will. Uh, we're not at the barrel of a gun forced to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And at the very end, uh, judgment will come. Uh, should we step up at the pearly gates and say, well, you know, I got a couple things wrong, Lord. I made a bunch of mistakes, but my my pastor didn't cover this stuff. Do, you know, yeah, nothing's going to get done. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What are we to do? We have to accept responsibility, and it's further extended from our souls, our existence, how we conduct ourselves, because, you know, government, Stephen Miller, former Secretary of Defense, he was a special forces guy. Then he got a government job, and he said, you know what I did with the government? He said, I was in a position that I could never be fired from just because I was, you just exist in government. And I stretched out 10 minutes worth of work into an eight hour day and everybody else in the entire system. Uh, now I'm going to bring this home here. You ready? Um, every person in governance, especially those that have sworn uh, a duty. Okay. What is their duty? Their function, their that they're not there to just exist and run a campaign. Um, to secure our rights, governments are instituted among men, right? Deriving their powers from the consent of the governed when we were voted. Um, that their job in government, first and foremost and only, all the other stuff is extracurricular, is to protect our rights. You, you can't override that at all. That's their job. We voted for them, consent to the governed, sent them there. Can you please protect our rights? Um, so saying you can't be fired, you know, is interesting. And this is an entire government bureaucracy. Everybody up and down the chain of command. They think that democracy and that we should thank them just for merely existing in the position. Uh, when in fact, it's up to we the people to say and remind them, your job is to protect our God-given rights and you're just not doing that. Um, being fired is secondary to it. How about if we just remind you, you don't have to be fired. How about if your conscience will tell you that when you show up to work every day, you're not protecting our God-given rights. That's your top job.
You know, you should fire yourself for not doing it. Yeah, you can't be fired, but the plant could still close and you'll still be unemployed. I mean, there there is that angle of things. Uh, if your department's no longer funded, you're out of work, whether you got fired or not. The Constitution was written by, the country was founded by people who were predominantly independent contractors or business owners. And so they had a whole different mindset about what responsibilities were and about what hirelings were and about what you know specialists were that we have lost over the years due to the benefits and liabilities of the Industrial Revolution and the expanding economy. You know, at some point it was almost futile well, where the barons, the big money barons, uh, protected the fiefdom by bringing you into their factory and eventually uh, uh, paying you a living wage and so on. And I'm not kicking against any of that, but the people who only knew that system don't fully understand responsibility. They see, say things like, well, that's not my department. That's not in my job description. I'd like to handle that, but I'm leaving in five minutes. That's not how owners think about anything. Owners think, you know, if I got to go deal with it in the middle of the night, go pull calves. You know, when the calf's coming, you're out in the barn uh, helping. That's just how, if you want the calf, and you don't want to lose the cow. I mean, again, responsible stewardship is how this country was put together. And tactical civics exists to teach some of that history and civics to people who are hungry to learn how do we regain control over that which we already have the authority over. And uh, the, the simple mechanism is a thousand-year-old mechanism. And what I'm going to tell you uh, is available in a book called The Great We Set, 102 pages plus indices, appendices, and some other Cs. There's seven Cs is what I heard. The... Uh, if you go in there, you can you can glean all of what I'm going to tell you and probably some more. There's also a Sunday night call. I, I know uh, this Sunday uh, they're going to be covering part of the reform uh, package that we're putting forward. Can I can but, I wait? Can I can I stop you for a second? Uh, well, I'm yeah, you were on the call Sunday. I'm going to Santillize this one. You ready? Because I Please just do. I led up to our conversation uh, by saying, you know, at what point uh, do do we uh, start putting the real bl blame. Do we blame the bank robber or everyone that facilitated it? Nobody enforcing the law. I mean, really, at what point do we do we just start accepting responsibility? And I ask everybody if I could put somebody, you know, on the phone uh, or come before you, and you're sitting there and you're listening. Does everybody want someone to step up and say, "Okay, stop bitching, moaning, complaining uh, about the bank robbery"? Right? Uh, how do we fix the situation? Would you guys want that? Would you want Somebody with leadership to say, here is a surefire lock, stock, barrel, an absolute roadmap to how we're going to get out of this mess. Would you guys want that? Everybody overwhelmingly said yes, right? Now I'm going to say this. Um, all of the tools, and I told you when I uh, was introduced to tactical civics, I said, I am tactical civics. I am saying that there are so many tools available to us. We're almost belligerently refusing to use them. So we're going to say this right now. Uh, Bill Ogden, tactical civics, everything we're doing, everything that uh, David Zuniga has done, everything that uh, I spoke to a vet veteran yesterday who became my newfound friend, 
his mission, his passion is to reach out to every single human being that he can to say the power is right, right there in your hands, right before you. But selling a organization and the you know tactical civics and all this stuff, tactical civics exists to prove the point that we the people have all of the power. Now, everybody has a choice right now. It doesn't matter what your race, creed, color is, your economic scale, to be fat, skinny, whatever. Every person right now just said that they wanted someone to tell them how we get out of this mess. Now we're doing it. Now, everybody listening right now, you're either going to sit there, consume this thought, get all fired up about it, but the next step is to take the action. So yesterday, guess what I did? I sat and I became a member of Tactical Civics. Now, going into this, I knew everything. So it's very, very difficult to humble myself and to take the step-by-step -step approach. And I'm literally being guided as a fellow American, one veteran, senior master sergeant, to Pete Santilli, United States Marine. And he said, the first thing you're going to do is we're going to take you through step-by-step. Step. You're going to read the great we said. He said, and it's easy to read, but you need to know the concepts and principles. And then we're going to build on that and share it with everybody. And if everybody locks arms, we have the power to get out of this mess. Really, if we could share it with 330 million people and go on a live stream and everybody's tuned in and we said, all right, folks, step by step, here we go. Bam, we instantly change where we're at yesterday to a renewed, powerful sense that we can fix it instantly. The power is within our hands, is it not? It is. Right power, in front of it. Power's apparently in your hands. I, I, the chat's blowing up in the training center. Suzanne Hall said, Peter Santilli is how I got familiar with it. I'm from San Bernardino County, uh, County in San California. Woo -woo. Justin LeBlanc answered back, me too, Suzanne. I watch and rumble every day. Pete is a member now too. I, they're watching the show. I that, am. I'm literally a student. I'm a humble student. I need to know the process because guess what? I, it just like I said, I knew everything going into this. We think we know everything, but it's based on a lot of input, input from people that don't want me to know certain things that, you know, that uh, I truly have the power and that, that I have to pay attention to the federal government when they come and point guns at me. Uh, and I need to follow their act statutes, laws, regulations, blah, 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 their authority. Uh, and we don't want me to know that the sheriff has the ultimate jurisdiction in the county, that he was elected by the people. He was given the consent of the governed to protect our constitutional rights and that he has the authority in the county. A lot of people don't want me to know that, do they? No. Um, Jefferson addressed this a long time ago. He said, uh, the man who thinks he can be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, never was and never can be. Oh, wow. It is our ignorance that has been our liability, and it's willful ignorance. Now, you know, I can forgive. They don't know, and they don't know that they don't know, and somebody didn't tell them. But as soon as you, as soon as you learn this uh, information, you sort of have an obligation to say to somebody else that's looking for a solution, have you considered this at all? Uh what are we supposed to do? They say, how, you know, I don't have any hope. My vote doesn't count. 
you know, I can't do anything. Well, hopelessness isn't an answer. Fear is not an answer. How about being responsible? And again, tactical civics exists to teach all these things to willing participants. You know, uh, uh, David Zunga says, we're going to collect up the repentant remnant. And Scott says, what do you mean repent? You know, Scott says, that. what do you mean repent? I said, Scott, you were a physical trainer for people, and anybody that was chubby and you yelled at them, you told them they needed to change their attitude and change their behavior. That would be repentance right there. The remnant is those of us who, people you meet, uh, would still like to solve this problem and restore this country back to what it's supposed to be. When I say back to what it's supposed to be, I don't mean slavery and chains and despotism and any of the negative here. Free people living free, directing their own lives, exercising some amount of authority, control, and discretion over that which they have been, been given stewardry and husbandship, husbandmanship, husband, husbandry, husbandship over. And those aren't bad things. You know, we talked about it before. I mean, I'm looking out the window at the grounds that I'm a steward over. You know, I, I, I my daughter-in-law was on the four-wheeler and she was riding across the field. And I said something about her driving diagonally. I said, I prefer the lines to either go north, south, or east, west. That's kind of an extreme view. I said, why don't you just ride around the edge? What's that? that hurt her feelings. But I care enough about everything around here. I care about the way it looks. Dad cares about the trees. I need to get some pruning done. We care about getting the leaf. All, all basic things. Soil fertility. The water. We don't like to gouge the land and have erosion. It's stewardship. Well, isn't it that way with the whole country? Don't we care about the whole place? We were given a gift. We were given a gift that no one else in history has ever had like we have. We were given a gift by people who, on the frontier, fought, bled, and died in the snow, lost everything to repel the crown so that you and I could live free today. And realistically, if our focus on who's going to start for the Steelers this Sunday, as opposed to what can I do to help restore the republic I was given, perhaps, perhaps we don't deserve the freedom we've been given. And that's a strong statement. You know, I'm a Steelers fan too. Who isn't? Uh, but I, I, I game. Excuse me. I, I let me answer that question. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, yes, you I, are. I can't stand the Steelers. I'm a Giants sure fan. Can. No, I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> I, I. You well, asked a question. I answered it. You're a masochist. Uh, <laughs> anyways. No, even God hates the Steelers. You yes. Know this. <laughs> You know, right. we know that we know where Saquon plays and we know where he came from. He came from Pittsburgh. Enough said. The, oh, my uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell a story. It's Christmas. I'm allowed to tell stories. Many years ago, when my son was young and a new hunter, uh, he got his first deer. And. He needed an orange vest in Pennsylvania. My dad gave him his vest, and Steve put on the vest, and dad had already harvested a deer, so Steve hung his tag on the back, and he and dad went, and they captured a deer, and it was it was a, a, a very good thing. It's a, it's a cultural thing we believe in strongly because that's part of stewardship, too. And the next day, dad put his vest back on, but he still had Steve's tag on. But dad wasn't hunting. He was just out in the woods. 
And an overzealous game protector who I would point out is an employee of ours because we pay the state and they work for us. Anyway, uh, she began to get snippy about this license. Who's is that? It's, it's my grandson. So why do you have it? Well, and he told the story. She confiscated the license. And uh, she said, I see the, the turkey tag's gone, too. Yes, Steve, got a turkey. Well, you tell him to meet me at such and such and so and so, and I'll restore this to him. And, uh, so they rendezvoused. My mother took him, I think, and they rendezvoused with this game warden. And Steve's a little kid. He's 12 or, or something like that. And she says, did you get a turkey? Yeah. She said, anybody witness it? He said, yeah, five starting defensive linemen for the New York Giants. Why? They used to come to Center County and hunt with his uncle. And uh, <laughs> she dropped it at that point. She, I guess the Giants are still credible with somebody uh, that she like, ah! <laughs> let the thing go. Listening. That's one of those happy stories from yesteryear. Steve was hunting with the, the defensive linemen and got well, a turkey. Bill, th this, is, uh, this is what I want to do. Um, I'm going to, uh, as a matter of fact, you're welcome to, to, to stay with me. Um, uh, if, or if you need to go, uh, and, and tend to the farm, you're welcome to do that. Um, now I'm going to say this, uh, and I would, you know, as Marines always say, I'll lay my life on the line for this one that I promise you, promise you there are a few guarantees in life that if every single person and our army of souls right now, if every single one of you steps up and you just take left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, we win. And I'm going to also say this, not one shot needs to be fired. You know, in this, everybody loves to have that discussion about it. We're going to take up arms and stop the communism. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you know what? There, there, there aren't enough bullets. There aren't enough guns. And we can't make communism that is upon us go away with guns and bullets because you can shoot the front line and it's going to backfill with an ideology that is allowed to exist unless we take ownership back of our system. And what is it all about? I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to play uh, just a little message from our president. And just remember this, everybody that's listening to the show is a, uh, a Democrats now are piling on supporting President Trump. But his power, he will be powerless at the Resolute Desk unless he's backed up by a whole bunch of us in 30, 100, 30, 300 counties. He's going to be backed up by a whole bunch of people that are ready, willing, and able to say, you know what? I was told that I have the power and I'm going to start exercising it with the county grand jury. Okay. We have the power in us. Now, I'm going to ask you one question before I go to this. And like I said, you can stay with me at the other end of Rob Lane's video here that I'm going to play. If I were to go run to, knowing what I know and what I've learned, and I, I began, I've started, I'm reading, you know, uh, the great we set. I'm reading the power of the grand jury. I, I, I know uh, what Scalia said, that the grand jury is the buffer between the people and the government. He said that in a Supreme Court ruling, period. He said the grand jury is it. That when a bunch of people come together and present to a judge, we have probable cause to believe you are hereby required by the will of the people uh, shown in the form of all these signatures that you were to convene a grand jury and bring accountability. Now, if I were to go scream at my local government myself and I show up at the clerk's office and say, 
uh, well, I'm taking ownership back. I want to form a grand jury and tell the judge, you know, this is it. And I go all by myself and do that. What are they going to say to me? Get out of town. Get out of town. Now, if I show up and everybody listening to my voice right now, if we have, by the end of this episode, we, we will have 50, 60,000 people that'll hear what I'm about to say. If I showed up at that uh, government office and I said, I got a bunch of my friends with me and we all agree and we're going to sign, we're going to ask the judge, uh, we've got probable cause to believe bad things have happened here in our county and we want it properly investigated by the grand jury. And if all 50,000 people are standing with me shoulder to shoulder, what's the government going to say? Humana, humana, humana? No. <laughs> what? It, the, the question is, we have the power, and it can't be done by one person or two people. We must have strength yeah. in numbers. It's called the collective sovereign. Yes. I don't have the individual sovereignty. It's collective sovereign. Uh, you know, I was thinking when you were quoting Scalia, he must have read the handbook, huh? He's an employee. He works for us or did. Mm. You know, his job was to interpret the handbook for the other employees. Mm. The grand jury has the authority. Yes. Had it for a thousand years. Mm. This isn't up for discussion. It's a reality. It's part of how the world works. It's a fact. We don't even. Yeah. Need, yeah. And somebody said, Pete Santilli, there aren't enough bullets there aren't enough guns, I beg to differ, because that was the same situation our forefathers, and yet they defeated the most powerful army. But guess what? Uh, what they had to do uh, through that kinetic battle uh, is to replace the ideology of what the crown was br bringing upon us. And what I'm saying is right now, uh, this ideology of communism, them hijacking uh, the government and and destroying our constitutional republic and those democratic principles that it protects, okay? Uh, ultimately, we can't shoot at the, you know, the communists thinking the ideology is going to go away. We must bring us back uh, to exactly where our founding was. Sir, if you'd like to stay with me, you're welcome to. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, this is, I'm saying all hands on deck, emergency national security emergency alert, right? National security emergency alert. Uh, I am a member of Tactical Civics as a student. As much as I know, and I know everything, I know nothing until I go through what I know is the step-by-step -step process to help share with others. So we're going to do a marathon on Saturday, December 30th for 18 hours. We're going to bring as many people. You need to bring your friends, family members, uh, and to get a link for the invite text TCM, that's Tactical Civics Marathon, to 844-837-5132. I'm going to send out, we're sending out free constitutions. Just pay for the shipping, right? Because uh, I can't afford to do that too. We have the constitutions on hand. Now, listen to this message. Listen closely and share it with, well, first of all, share it with your soul and start taking action immediately. I don't make not one penny at all telling you, join me with Tactical Civics and let's take our system back. Not one dime. I'm not selling anything but a restoration. This is the final battle. 
With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, and fascists. We will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will rout the fake news media, and we will liberate America from these villains once and for all. on his face I said son sit down and tell me what's wrong he said dad I don't know what my gender is yeah the teacher's been filling his head with so I took the time to put his little mind at ease yeah we're letting go we're letting pass on by while they strip our freedoms when we don't comply so we got down on my knees God what Gonna start ourselves a county grand jury. Not a right, but a duty. Throw all the corrupt. It's been plaguing all of us. It's gonna be an epic revival. We can't cling up fire from the remnant that's been silent way too long. Can you hear the We are the way, the solution To keep all those that work for us in check Well, we learn how to die, forgotten how to live And we're so bound to the laws of man Can't see the freedom for security Not me Gonna start ourselves a county grand jury
Start ourselves a county grand jury. Not a right, but a duty. Throw out the corrupt. That's played on us. It's gonna be an epic revival. Rekindling the fire from the remnant that's been silent way too long. Can you hear the you beautiful people. Hi, Rob. My name is Rob Lane. Just wanted to give you a brief overview and let you know that uh, that I'm just a blue-collar worker, the same as all the rest of you out there. I live in southern Georgia. And like most of you, I have been working, working, working just to try to stay ahead and try to pay the bills. And it seems like we're all just getting further and further behind. And on top of that, we got so much corruption going on within our our county governments, our state governments, our federal government, obviously. And then they're trying to teach our children certain things that shouldn't be taught instead of teaching them what needs to be taught. And like most of you, I have been just trusting the plan. Something you said, a question. Or I have been waiting on a president to come back in office that's going to turn the country around and save us. And then one day I'm listening to one of my favorite patriot podcasters. And a gentleman from tacticalcivics.com, the founder, was on there and as a guest and started speaking and for the first time in my entire life I was able to hear the full-bodied solution to take back our country and restore it to the forefathers design and if you are one of those patriots that is tired of sitting on a fence that is tired of trusting a plan that just seems to never come and understands that a president doesn't have the authority to restore a nation, that that was given to the people, to the people, to we, the people, by our forefathers, then I encourage you to come on over to tacticalcivics.com. Now, when you go on, you open that page. Don't hit, the, don't hit the join now button just yet. Scroll down. There's a little small 11-minute video right there. Watch that video. 
as soon as you watch that video, if you feel compelled because you are the remnant, you are one of we the people, and you are ready, and you feel like you are part of that remnant that is ready to do something and help us restore the republic to the forefathers' original design, you've heard the phrase, freedom is not free. If you hear the call, if you, if you can heed my call and you hear my call, then I encourage you to come join us. It's time to stand up, patriots. It's time to stand up. It's time to get down on our knees and thank God for what he inspired our forefathers to create. It's time to get back to what freedom really is. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I asked a question and I said, if, if somebody could, if I could have President you know, Trump or somebody, just a, a figurehead, show up to work and relieve you of all of the anxiety that you're feeling as we, you know, we mourn so many things about our country and our way of life is just being taken from us. But if you could have somebody step up and say, all right, that all goes away tomorrow. We wake up, we get back to work, and the first thing we have to do, and you must accept this, uh, you heard the word repentance, right? What is the definition of repentance? It's not some weird, radical, Christian concept. It's not. Um, we must accept that every person hearing my voice right now, every person, including me, is not necessarily guilty, um, but didn't do enough. I fell asleep at the wheel. I wish I had begun on this mission, um, you know, at a very, very young age. Uh, and I would have had 57 years of run up to this moment in time. And we would have had, and I say an army of wide awake individuals that knew what their true power was. I could have been sharing constitutions in my biology class in seventh grade. I could have been uh, talking about what our founders when they got together, they didn't even know each other, but they could go to the one that they knew the best and could rely upon. And they knelt down in prayer and said, I don't know this person to my left. I don't know this person to my right, but I know you Lord. Can you please help guide me? Because I believe we all have pure intentions. Please help us as we put this together. And we're going to ask that everybody is inspired to write down on these pieces of paper, which are secondary to what our God-given rights are all about, that we're going to set up a system of governance where we the people put people in charge, we consent to them going into office to do one thing, to protect our God-given right, to come and go freely, to speak freely, to exercise our religious beliefs, no matter what they are, and to make sure that the government can infringe upon those things, that we will set up a system uh, where the mob doesn't rule. We will set up a constitutional republic. We have a sovereign group of states here 
that operate independently. And then a federal government that will be given certain delegated tasks within the 10 square mile confines of Washington, D.C. to serve the entire rest of us. That we will tell them to go there, but their first and foremost duty is to protect us. Ladies and gentlemen, um, that moment is right now. And I hereby express my sincerest regret and remorse about my wrongdoing that I didn't begin talking and handing out pocket constitutions and sharing this message when I was 5, 10, 15 years old because I would have had 50 years of experience in building a much bigger army. But guess what? That can change. Um, I hereby repent. I have remorse. And I ask everybody to do the same and say, damn it, he's right. I, I fell asleep at the wheel that all the anxiety I feel is because I didn't do something myself. And all of us are guilty of that. We got to repent and move forward. Tomorrow morning, we can wake up and all of it is washed away. It's all washed away. We have the power. You don't need guns. You don't need bullets. You don't need any of that stuff. That is just one of the mechanisms that is used to stave off tyranny, right? Our Second Amendment, it's there. It's, you know, we didn't have to use our Second Amendment every single day to protect our God-given rights from tyrants. Just the mere existence of the Second Amendment has kept us in a peaceful state. But it's there, and make no mistake about it. That is a word that, that well-regulated militia, I refuse to delete that word from the U.S. Constitution. And if I don't like it and it's too scary to me, then I will step up and get it amended. But until then, I'm not going to be too scared to mention, you know, militia. I'm not going to be afraid to mention that we're a constitutional republic in the face of those that say that our democracy is being threatened. That's what a tyrant says. Our democracy is threatened. Our democracy, your version of it, has been used as a weapon to overthrow our republic. And you're darn right. It is. You should feel very threatened if you want to protect those principles. Absolutely. We, the people, have the power. We will rise up. And I'm here by telling you right now, I'm laying my life on the line by speaking these words. It is guaranteed. There's few guarantees. What do they say? Death? Taxes? Right? Death, taxes, what's a, another guarantee? Here's the guarantee, you ready? The third thing is, I guarantee you that if you embrace and internalize what I just said, that each of us has the power, but we have to do it together because I am powerless. President Trump at the Resolute Desk, if he's the only one fighting on all of our behalf, he's not as strong as if he were to come to work the next time and be at the Resolute Desk saying, I'm just here to fulfill my duties. I swore an oath to protect all these other people, and I'm backed up by a credible threat of 300 million people that agree with what I just said. That these people are wide awake. They're sick of the lies. They can't stand the media. They can't stand what they've done to our system of governance and corrupting everything that we believe in. And guess what? We're all willing to stand in the gap. If you want our way of life, you have to get past us. And you may or may not. Hopefully we've got enough to protect ourselves, but we can also guarantee the fourth item. 
that if you get past us, you will inherit burnt dirt. So help me God, because I will never, ever keep my mouth shut and allow these tyrants because I feel regretful, remorseful, and repentant that I let them get away with one more day to do this to us. And it's very painful to watch my country be plucked apart like that. And I will not let it happen. Bill Ogden. So help me God. I, I, be, I was a Marine before I became a Marine. I was tactical civics and just wandering my way around. I was tactical civics before I found tactical civics. Uh, I, I was, I, I, I wish I would have put together the tools. I wish I was front running out with David Zuniga. Tell a story, please, about why David Zuniga stepped up and said, oh my goodness, what has happened here? Uh, I repent, I screwed up, I fell asleep at the wheel, but I'm gonna start documenting this. This is very bad. How did he decide to start publishing his writings and his teachings and discovering what our true power is and sharing it with everybody? How did that begin? Can you tell that story? I can hint at it, but of course we have David on your marathon uh, in the first hour with Ann Vandersteel. That's probably going to be a really good segment where he can give you some of that. Um, David's an engineer by training. He's been a missionary, missionary pilot, started homeschools. He's, he's got quite a varied background, he's got a ranch background. He was telling me about their favorite bull named Diablo. There's, you know, farmers and ranchers talking about their favorite bull. I mean, what's more American than that? Amen. You know, I said, why would you name a bull Diablo, David? Uh, sounds, why don't you name him uh, Fluffy or something nice? Uh, he was saying Diablo kept breaking out and going into the, the uh, suburban extension nearby and terrorizing people in a nice way. Anyway, uh, David's a problem solver. And he had a heart for solving this problem, and he went into a retreat, and he began a study. He's a voracious reader. If you look in the back of the Great We Set, you'll start to get an idea of just what kind of books he read. And then he and his brother Oscar and some other people put their heads together, prayed about it, and they were inspired that the issue here is from Romans 1. We are living under God's judgment, and the condition is stupidity. And if you read Paul's letter to the Romans, in particular verse 18 to the end in Romans 1, it describes the exact circumstances that are happening here today. Uh, in a phone conversation I had with him earlier in the week, apparently, what is this? This is Wednesday. Um, you like? He said, uh, we've been compared to Rome. You know, the United States is the Rome of today, the Colossus astride the world and so on but we have exactly the same circumstances. We've turned away from our foundation, we've turned away from God, and so God has given us over to our stupidity as outlined in the book of Romans. He also said, he said, if we, if we got in a plane and we took an aerial view and looked down at America, and we ask ourselves, what do we have to fix? What needs to be repaired here to make this function properly? And the answer is overwhelmingly to the people. The people are ignorant and or the people are stupid. And these aren't mean things to say. There's nothing wrong with being stupid, my dad said. It's staying stupid that becomes the problem. 
you know, yeah, we can learn better and do better. Uh, maybe we need to pick up a book like the great we said, by the way. Um, here's one, Tactical Civics for High School. That'll work. Uh, we get that in the kids' hands early when they're being homeschooled and so on. That might help. But he said, as the people become knowledgeable, as re we restore the intellectual foundations of the country, we restore the country. That's all. It's an educational mission. In order to affect it, we have a series of steps. Step one, uh, aggregate a bunch of people. Step two, educate those people we aggregate and so on. Uh, it, it's almost magical how we're wired. You know, when a person begins to read about losing weight, they get skinny. When a person begins to read about getting in shape, they get in better shape. Pretty much, much anything that we decide to educate ourselves on, we get better at. What if we applied that to our own self-governance? And so uh, David put in 15 years. It's the America Again Trust. That's also in the appendices of the book that you have, uh, whether it's in PDF, because when you joined, you got it in PDF, or if you've ordered a hard copy. Um, and then Tactical Civics is the action arm of the America Again Trust. It's a restorative organization. We simply are going to fix that which we've neglected. Again, farm analogies. You know, you, you let the orchard overgrow. You don't get the fruit you, you wanted. You let the fences fall down. The animals get out. We have to continuously restore and rejuvenate. Now, I know that some firebrand way back when said every now and then you've got to water the ground with blood of patriots and tires. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. That sounds nice. You know, when people are drinking beer by a fire and they want to be all tough and have an excuse to go to the gun store. And I like going to the gun store, but we don't have to water the ground with the blood of anybody. What we have to do is put some sweat and intellectual effort into learning that which we were supposed to have known from early childhood. And I'll throw out this story. You got to, you got to tell it sooner or later. Uh, the American Indians would get together in the winter in the lodges around the fire, and the old ones, which potentially I could be, would tell the story of how the people came to be. And that's how culture was transmitted to the young ones. Now, it was the same story more or less every year because they told it over and over and over again. Where are we telling the stories about how we as a people came to be? Where are we talking about what folks did, you know, uh, back during the revolution? There's a story about Abraham and Sarah Clark of Maryland. They had signed, uh, Abraham had signed the declaration. And he was uh, the poor man's lawyer. He had done so well in law practice that he would do a lot of pro bono work. He, he wanted people to have representation. Uh, and he was, uh, he was just the guy. The people loved him. At some point, his 16-year-old and his 25-year-old sons were captured by the British. The 25-year-old was an officer. The 16-year-old was just a kid. And they had him chained below deck on a slave ship. And uh, Abraham went to see about this uh, to see if he could get them released. And he was told by the officer in charge, uh, we're going to keep them and we're going to give them enough water to keep them alive. And Abraham said, why don't you just take me instead? He said, no, we don't want you. What we want is we want you to write a letter recanting your signature on the Declaration of Independence. 
if you give us that, we'll give them some food. Well, he, he took a deep breath and left. He said, I can't, I can't do that. And he and his wife stayed up all night and they talked and they got two wagons and loaded everything they had of value in those wagons. In those days, uh, the, the pay wasn't that good in the army for the Brits. Uh, and so plunder was a thing. So they, they figured they could take what they had and give it to these officers. And he did. I, I said, here's everything I've got if you'll just give me my sons. And they said, nope, we're keeping them on the ship. We'll give them enough water to keep them alive. If we can get that letter from you, we'll feed them. They left, went home and stayed up, prayed over it all night. And I, and I think it's interesting that it was Abraham and Sarah Clark, you know. And he came back the third day and he, and they said, are you here to sign the letter? He said, no, I'm here to tell you how it is. He said, I've offered you my life. I've offered you my fortune. My sacred honor is not mine to give any. And he turned and walked away. Now, how many people today who are going to tune in the Steelers game on a Saturday have to offer their sons for the freedom of the republic that you and I live in? How many folks have to do that? We're asking people to read a book. We're asking people to talk to their friends. We're asking people to become knowledgeable about the system in which they live. We're not asking them to sleep with their feet in rags in the snow or anything. You know what I'd like You're to also gonna, ask? Yeah. You, know what I, you know what I want to ask everyone uh, to do is to, uh, now you, of course, I asked you if you could have somebody tell you this is how we save our country this is how we do it we need everyone's participation i'm asking you when i provide that to you that you take action because it's your greatest desire your everyone's greatest desire right now you don't want to see this happen to our country you don't want this to happen to your grandchildren's future you don't want this way of life to go away and i asked you if you had a way to make all of that go away, make all that pain that you're feeling right now go away, if I could provide that for you, will you take action? Everyone would say yes. They all said yes. So here it is. We win. There's 3,143 counties. 3,143 counties. The information is right there before us. The power is in us. And all we have to do is to take the action uh, and, and, and fulfill uh, that duty that we have to future generations and make all the pain go away. That's what I ask. And it's a good ask, but it's also a persistence. Dave Zuniga calls it, we have to start doing our chores again. You know, when I'm done with this call, before I get on the next one, I'm going to go out to the barn and give D. Wayne his feet. It's been soaking since before this call. That's one of my chores. It's got to be done. You know, I had to take the trash out yesterday. That's one of the chores that has to be done. I got to serve on grand jury duty. That's one of the chores that has to be done. You know, the time in America where the uh, citizen knows most about how to get out of jury duty instead of most what it takes to serve on a jury, what the responsibility, that's got to change. It requires, there's your repentance. It requires a change. I'm no longer content to let this system run downhill into oblivion. I'm going to run this system for my part so that it goes in the direction it was always intended to go 
which is a direction that involves your You know, and accepting responsibility, again, back to that word uh, repentance, okay? And uh, some somebody from MSNBC, if they were to tune in, or Media Matters, or all those people that attack us and they hear us say the term repentance, they could go write an article in the Washington Post that were a bunch of wing-nut conspiracy theorists, Christians that are talking about, we have to repent to save our country. No, guess what? If you want to, if you're fat and out of shape, you need to repent that you let yourself fall off the wagon, that you're remorseful that you didn't take care of your body. You don't want to be fat and out of shape. But before you become Jack LaLanne and physically fit, you have to repent and say, I'm done with those old ways. I regret it, but I'm going to change right here and now. You have to cross that line, but you can't do it without accepting responsibility for you being responsible for being fat and out of shape, right? Can't blame it on the government, can you? Repent, accept responsibility, and then take action going forward. There's a, a book by Colonel Matthew, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. He was one of the two wing commanders of Space Force when it was stood up. And DOD uh, sent out the memo to everybody in your command, why don't you identify extremism and write about it? So he wrote about Black Lives Matter because he thought it was extreme and it was in his command. And of course, they, they got him out of the service as soon as possible. But he wrote a book called Endless Revolution, which is a, a very concise, in a military manner, very concise uh, treatise on uh, communism. And he goes back for the first couple of chapters, what's great about America? Why is this a great country? And it's worth reading that. But then he goes into Marx, and he, he goes before Marx, what are the philosophies that led to Marx, the Hegelian dialectic and so on? What was Marx's relationship with his father? His father was a Christian, a religious man, and uh, Karl Marx didn't like it, so he rebelled. He rebelled to the point that when he wrote his little paper, he dedicated it to Satan. So when MSNBC or anybody else assails people for being Christians, I'd like to point out that be kind of what the communists would want them to do, because Marx uh, uh, assaulted us, assailed us because of Christian belief. His goal is to take Christ off the throne. That is the goal of global communism. So I didn't write it. It's not my fault. They wrote it. Uh, but I'll cite it all day. And I usually tell people you should probably expect if you're in a Christian mission to get some resistance from people that are dedicated to taking Christ off the throne. How dedicated are they? Well, they've been working at it for over 100 years. You know, what can we do? Take God out of the pledge, take uh, prayer out of the schools. What can we do? You know, they, they're all the time on it. And Lohmeyer identifies critical theory. There's the dog alarm again. There, fix that off. The, uh, uh, whatever you think, uh, is right is wrong. They'll criticize anything. The best example of that I ever heard was when Obama said, when has America ever been great? Huh? 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 He said, when was it ever great? That's critical theory and full display. First, they did critical theory. Then they did critical legal theory at Columbia in the 30s after Hitler chased the communists out of Europe. See how I do that? Just turn it right off. Yes. And then it's now critical race theory. This is not a new phenomenon. This has been going on for years. They wanted Dr. King to side with the communists in the revolution. He wouldn't do it. 
whatever anybody else has to say, he wouldn't do that. And so uh, we have to realize who we're opposed by. Uh, when they start to critique the language I use, I'm sorry, I'm an American. I have First Amendment right to speak English. Uh, I have a dictionary somewhere. I refuse to use the electronic dictionary. I don't trust that or video poker because I think somebody can get in there and change the definitions uh, overnight. Uh, but I'm free to use whatever words in the dictionary. Whatever one I choose, and I can also choose one of the several meanings, because maybe I'm literal and I, I like the dictionary. Someone in school taught me how to do that. So I'm not going to be accosted by people. You can't say that anymore. It's wrong. No, I can say it if I want. Sure. It's not wrong. So you said about the militia. You know, we're having this discussion. We're having the Second Amendment discussion and a bunch of wingnuts and so on. Congress shall call forth the militia to enforce the various laws of the land, put down insurrections, and repel invaders. It's in the Constitution as an enumerated power. If you can call forth the militia, doesn't that mean it's already constituted? Doesn't say you can create a militia. Doesn't say you can establish a militia. It says you can call it forth. And then to make it further clear in the, in the Bill of Rights, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. And so I, I suppose if we're going to argue everything, we can say, well, it's no longer necessary, isn't it? <laughs> Laws of the land, insurrections, invasions, no longer necessary. You know, what does that mean? That means that in an orderly process, the people are the law enforcement, just like in the book of Gideon, cha Judges chapter 6, 7, 8, book of Gideon, story of Gideon, Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, go read it. Uh, he called forth 32,000 men of the tribe. That sounds like a militia exercise to me. Uh, today, by, by the way, when I was in school, we called those Minutemen, mm -hmm. patriots who were Minutemen, mm -hmm. who kept a, mus a musket by the door in case Paul Revere rode through the commons. Nowadays, we have a similar organ that people are usually familiar with called the Volunteer Fire Department. It's, they're not a militia group. Boy, they kind of act like one in that. When the uh, phone or yeah, when the, phone, when the siren goes off, people drop what they're doing, run and get their equipment, and go and face danger. It's the American way of doing things. We the people will go put out the fire. We the people will stand up against invasion. We the people will stand up against insurrection. We the people will stand up, and it's it's not the standing. It's the willingness and the preparedness to stand. You know, other places they discuss, why does Switzerland, how can they sit out of every world war? Because they have a standing militia. Everybody's got the equipment in the house. They're all ready to go. They don't want to fight. They're left alone. They don't want to fight with them either because it, it's ground that won't be easily gained. Uh <clears throat> I'm I would expect some opposition on what we're going to do, but I'd expect mostly from people who don't want it to be done, because right now they're plundering society instead of producing something. We were and we're going to stop we were the plunder. We were founded uh, being opposed. Sure, the, the the king was pretty upset about it. Well, you know, uh, same thing. Uh, why was he upset? 
because we're a source of uh, raw materials that can be shipped to England, run through the factories and sold back to us at a markup. How do I know that? Did the same thing in India. That was Gandhi's complaint. You know, we grow the cotton, Britain takes it home, and then they sell us the cloth. We'll make our own cloth, which became illegal under the crown. <laughs> plunder is plunder is plunder. Uh, Bastiat, Fried, uh, is it Friedrich Bastiat? Bastiat, wrote the yeah. Uh, ending yeah. in a T, yeah. Uh, he uh, he wrote about this. That basically, societies are either organized around production or plunder. And, you know, it, it's just, it's normal. I sent you that essay by Chipolo where he talked about bandits. You know, bandits do bad things, but they do it for their good reason, as opposed to stupid people who do bad things for no reason at all. They can't quite figure out what they're up to uh, and so on. Uh, you, it's okay to recognize what's going on. Thieves and bandits are just a part of life. You know, what is it? The Good Samaritan was assailed along the road by bandits. They robbed him and left him lay there. Uh, not the Samaritan. Samaritan found the guy and brought him and helped him. Bandits are a reality. Societal response has to be a reality, too. And we're trying here to prevent bandits in government. Why are my employees allowed to plunder me well they're not we're going to put a stop to that you know they're going to quit taking office supplies home they're going to quit uh, cutting out early on friday they're going to quit uh, issuing themselves benefits that i didn't approve yeah uh, during uh, one of your segments i was thinking about you know the church has a board that meets once a month to govern the operation of the church to uh, they have a pastor parish relations committee to talk about the operations of the, the minister that they hired, sort of. Uh, that's a different discussion uh, as far as what we're getting done down here. School has a board that's a governance board, issues policy. The hospital has a board, board of directors. Well, here, we, the people, are the board of directors. We meet. The place where we meet is called the grand jury, and the grand jury can investigate and regulate whatever it looks to investigate and regulate within their own community. This is how things were done for a thousand years. It's something we need to get back to if we wish to get back to being free and sovereigns in our own country. If we wish to be subjects in our own country, we don't have to do anything. Don't have to do anything at all. You know, this will just continue to deteriorate into chaos and I assume somebody with a blue hat on will come in and tell us what to do. And so I'm not content with that. And so I'm going to exercise some uh, intellectual energy here and help them stand up uh, tactical civics chapters across the Republic so that they can then execute the plan that you're reading about in the great we set. Uh, this is organized. Uh, uh, and I think the reason I'm here is not to expound on what we're going to do, because you can read that. Why should I tell you when you can read that? You know, I, I'm not an encyclopedia. You can, you can look in the book. You can go on the Zoom calls where some real, really great people like Jeff Calhoun, who you're going to get to meet at the marathon, uh, can instruct on the various parts of the thing. You can go on the Sunday night call. Anybody can. You don't even have to join. It's a free call. And, and learn. Learning is occurring. You know, if you can set aside Sunday night football or whatever else is in the way, uh, and I know that's Christmas Eve. Maybe they'll cancel this Christmas because it's Christmas. Eve. Maybe it's, yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Um, they record them. 
we can go and listen to it later. It's kind of watching Pete Santilli on a delayed broadcast. That's the good stuff. Yeah. And uh, a delayed uh, broadcast is uh, there. There's some commentary here. Um, it's 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 interesting. Uh, it's a let's call this a delayed broadcast. Uh, when I uh, swore an oath as a United States Marine, sir, uh, I swore an oath to a constitution that I hadn't read until I was in my late forties. I never read the U.S. Constitution from front cover to back cover. Now, of course, and there's been debates too that even the one that I read, that, that that's been tainted. But guess what? Uh, the bottom line is I didn't even have the foundational, like I didn't even know what was in the one, like uh, that everybody said, well, there's been some modifications to it. There's some changes. They've tried to change the words. I didn't even read the beginning, uh, let alone uh, uh, knowing whether or not it was modified. And I swore an oath to it. Um, and I'm also being told, you know, that the principles that I'm calling everybody to step up to, that I'm going to be thrown in jail. Uh, as a matter of fact, shoot me. Put me out of my misery. I'm never going to back down. Not even not the fear of prison, not the fear of death, not the fear of oppression, not the fear of tyranny. None of that. Because as soon as I give that to them, what I'm standing up for is godly principles. I'm standing up for a peaceful means by which we can secure our rights. As a matter of fact, nobody has even consented. The, go the governed haven't even consented to it. I'm just sharing the principles that that process by which we consent to sending President Trump or whoever it is, it could be Barney the Purple Dinosaur, that that process has been put in place and a lot of men and women have fought and died to protect those things. And I will not live one second without standing up for what they died for, because they shall have died in vain. Men and women have fought and died for these principles, where I say we have the power as a nation, as a people, to protect our God-given rights. I will not keep my mouth shut. I've already been thrown in jail for doing what? For standing up and telling the people that the Obama administration is pointing guns at the American people, unarmed protesters, and we need to call the sheriff in to protect life, liberty, and property. And if he does that, we have a peaceful resolution. If he doesn't, then it's going to be a slaughter because we will not let them do this. Thankfully, the sheriff came in and intervened and kicked the federal government out of Nevada. It was the first time since 1947 that the people stood up and said, you want to point guns at us unlawfully, at unarmed protesters? Be careful, we'll point guns back. But we don't need to do that. We're going to have the sheriff intervene and tell you what you're doing is wrong. And everybody lived. And guess what? They didn't like that. A tyrant hates that. A tyrant controls the jails. And a tyrant put me in a box. And guess what happened? They thought that they were going to keep me silent. Well, they made me stronger. I had a bunch of free time on my hands. I read the Bible and was forged in the fire. And they lost. And I prayed for God's intervention. And I said, if you intervene and you walk me out these doors, although I accept your will, if you intervene and you send me out these doors, either way, if I stay here, that's your will. If I leave, 
It's through your miracle. I promise you that I will give you all the glory. And I walked out the door. And I walked out the door. And I'm here to tell everybody after 619 days, people say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I say it's the greatest blessing that he's ever given me. And I'm going to tell you what. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the temperament. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the discipline. And I wasn't fully ready until I was forged to that fire. But he had to prepare me for this moment in time right now. And you think I'm going to cower and fear and back down to the tyrants to bring goodness to my country for my fellow countrymen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will never back down. Fear is a very powerful thing to them, and that's why I've neutralized it. I have zero. I fear that they get away with their dirty deeds one more day. That's my fear. Can I get an amen, Bill? Amen, Bill. The uh, Back in the day, I was coaching some soccer, and uh, I picked up the FIFA rule book. FIFA is the governing organization for soccer around the world. Everybody plays by the same, or did, plays by the same set of rules. I went as far as to become an official so that I could really know the rules. And it's easy to have a, a game, a contest, or whatever, when we all agree on the rules. Well, guess what? We all agree on the rules here because they, whoever they are, took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's not in question then, is it? Constitution of the United States is the de facto rulebook. So we can go back to that original document and say, hmm, here it says this, but you're doing that. Perhaps you need to make an adjustment. Hmm, here it lists this as your authority, and you're not exercising. Perhaps you need to pick up the slack there. Uh, hmm, here in the first ruling, Marbury versus Madison, it says oh. any... Any law that's repugnant to the Constitution and is no law at all. That's right. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Perhaps then this is null and void. And I, as a juror, by the way, can quote that. You know, the Federalist Papers, the, you know, back in the day, there's a guy named Oliver DeMille, who's a fantastic author. He said the citizens in those days were conversant in pending legislation, founding documents, pending court cases. They knew all that stuff. They didn't have TV. They knew that stuff. And so imagine this. We're going to have a new constitution. And we're going to publish editorials in the newspaper weekly so that the farmer can become familiar with this proposed new government. Here's a guy who's been out in his field all day, on the desk, plowing, call it whatever. He's eating his supper by lantern light, if he's lucky enough to have a lantern, and reading the Federalist Papers and passing judgment on it, giving intelligent commentary to his family and neighbors and so on. I defy the modern citizen to pick up the Federalist Papers and start reading them and understand what's said. And yet, there was a time in this country when it was easy to read. Now, we didn't change the documents. We changed the level of education of the people. Tactical civics exists to help restore that level of education so that people can be self-governing once again but they have to want to. You know, one of the things you're gonna hear on your uh, marathon is you're gonna have a, a variety of some really nice 
Tactical Civics members come on, and they're going to tell you their how, what, and why. How did they hear about it? What did they like about it? Why did they join? Just like you're going to do, how, what, and why. And you're going to hear a variety of reasons that people give for why they decided to interrupt their retirement, interrupt their business. I got a guy named Johnny Ellis, Johnny and Susan Ellis up in Maine. He owns and operates two grocery stores. Remember the old commercial, got to make the donuts? Guys, it, 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 that's Johnny Ellis at Odark 30 unloading trucks, mm-hmm. getting things priced out because he's a proprietor. So if it's to be, it's up to me. He's got four little kids at home. They're homeschooled. He's on the school board in the community. I mean, this, and he's, he's a, uh, a state coordinator for Maine, but he does orientations all over New England. He's always helping new people get started. And you're going to have a chance or somebody is to say, Johnny Ellis, why in the world would you step up? You're going to get to meet him. Uh, Tom and uh, Patricia Herr from Pennsylvania. This is going to be a fun one if we can get them on. Uh, they're driving to Florida with their camper on the 30th, but they're going to pull off the road somewhere if they can find out when they're wanted so they can talk to you or Scott or Ann or whomever about why they're involved in tactical civics. And she said, we're going to be in Florida for three months. And so you might say, well, how are you going to be a state coordinator for Pennsylvania while you're in Florida? Well, of course, answer number one, they have a cell phone. Answer number two, the internet goes around the world. It's the World Wide Web. So, so they can still vicariously do stuff kind of like you and I are. But answer number three is while we're down there, we're going to find the chapters close to where we're staying. We're going to be near the villages. And we're going to, So they're going to spread the gospel on the road. Now, why would Tom and Patricia her at this stage in their life with a camper pull off the road to talk to Pete Santilli on the marathon. Well, number one, it's Pete Santilli. Everybody wants to talk to him. But number two is they have a why for what they're doing. You got to talk to Bob Beach yesterday. He's going to be on the marathon. Bob's got a story to tell. Now, he'll oh, yeah. tell it very tersely and very succinctly and in a very military manner. I get all that. But Sen- it's still a story. Way, why senior, would a guy, senior Master Sergeant Bob yeah, Beach. Yes. Why, why would a guy at this stage in life, why would he spend – he told me he orients 10 people a day, 10 people a day. Oh, yes. What else does he get done? Well, you're going to get to meet Brad Boardman. Brad Boardman and his wife operate a care home. And he, he says, hey, I got to go. My 100-year-old resident needs me to. So he's, he's helping people. Brad's older than I am. Brad's an older guy. He is our chief administrative officer. If you have a tech question, it's going to go to Brad. If you have a question on enrollment, it's going to go to Brad. Brad's on the computer, on the phone. I I, I call him Geppetto now. You know, you just picture Geppetto in his workshop at midnight trying to get that last pair of boots made. That's wow. Brad. Wow. Why would Brad do this after a full career in music ministry? Would Brad Boardman consent to do this? If I pull enough strings... I'm going to get Robert Drake to make an appearance. Robert is our CEO. He's 75. Wow. He dr- he gets in the car and he drives four. And this is the CEO. This is this is the guy. The brain. The the uh, uh, David Zuniga calls him our chief executive. He calls him the executioner. The chief executive. He's masterminded our operation. How we're moving forward. And yet he still get in the car and drive four hours to go to some community in the corner of Georgia to do a seminar, put on a one-hour seminar to help introduce new members to the organization. 
And not only will he do that, but his lovely bride, who I'm not going to tell her age, but she will drive him because while she's driving four hours, he's on the phone helping new people get on board. This is a guy with a background, high-end finance. He knows all about trust management. So, I mean, he doesn't have to be doing this. This, you know, he's, he could, he could kick back. So you're going to have a chance, I hope, to hear why he's doing this. We've got people like Jeff and Karen Graham out of southwestern Pennsylvania. Jeff's the regional coordinator for Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, and West Virginia. They run beef and sheep down there. They got extra buildings on the property, so they have a wedding business. Uh, Karen had a career in the hospitality industry, so when they came to the farmstead. She saw that empty uh, building and house, and they have uh, brides. And it probably isn't right for me to call brides a crop, but they have a crop of brides they raise every year. People come and they look and they put on weddings and wedding receptions and so on. And so here's two people with grandchildren, calving season, haymaking season, lambing season, brides, an active life in the community, an active, and yet, Jeff orients a ton of people to get them started. You're going to have a chance to ask him what. There are people who are committed and dedicated to turning this thing around by helping folks educate themselves using the tools and systems set up by Tactical Civics. Because if we the people will just take that action, we can restore the problem. Part of it is cutting out the news. I heard you guys talking about yesterday about what happened in Colorado. I had to look. I don't know what happened in Colorado. I had to go look it up, literally, because I don't I don't take the news. What am I going to hear on the news? More bad news? <laughs> Something else that needs to be put in front of a grand jury somewhere? Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. File that under G for grand jury. Mm-hmm. Let's do our work. We'll get them all set up. And then we can present that to 25 blue-collar people in any county U.S. They'll right. say, you know what? And, and, that sounds bad. And if you don't mind, just because we're pressed for time, I have no choice. i got a hard out here in, um, in about 10 Is minutes. Is something I said? No, absolutely not. I, I, well, here's, I did. A, here's a point of emphasis. Uh, we have uh, people, uh, as we said, there's going to be opposition to what we're trying to do, right? There sure. is. Yeah, there, there was opposition when we were founded. We've had opposition every step along the way. Um, the government would much rather have you surrender uh, the collective to their God of the government and the God of the environment. But there's opposition uh, to that. There's opposition to me telling everybody early on in 2014, hey, Obama's out of control. He's running an army. He's pointing guns at people. Uh, and all we need to do is to have the sheriff come in and say, as the highest law enforcement authority in this county, stop doing that. That's not right. And guess what? They did everything in their powers to make sure that when I was reaching millions of people that nobody heard those words. In fact, when they scooped me up two years later, I listened to the audio of the sheriff showing up on property when things got out of control. And the sheriff told the federal government, put the long guns away, back up. Our incident command post and our authority has now moved to where I'm standing. You back up. You don't need all that stuff. 
And by the way, these people are not going to shoot you. You're not in danger. And he stood in the gap and, and it was a peaceful resolution. They will stop at nothing to make sure that they don't, people don't hear that. Now here's my next thing. You ready? Susan says, Oh my goodness, Pete, they're going to get you. We need you to fight another day, you know, and, and that's what Sean Hannity says that he'll deliver 80% of the truth and he'll speak to a broader audience, but it's the most important part. That's the 20% that he wants to come back and fight another day. So he withholds the 20%. Tyrants love that. They love that. If they can just keep you on the rat wheel, uh, they can sell you more big pharma ads. Uh, as Sean Hannity delivers 80%. Now I'm going to, I'm going to deliver a message right here. Susan, with all due respect to you, I understand what you're saying. Get it, come back and fight another day. The tyrants won't like it. Blah, 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 blah. I've had beads, uh, red dots on my forehead because I was asking the FBI, stop shooting people. Let me go get the women and children. And, and people said, Pete, I tell you, you should just go home and avoid the conflict and do that. Uh, no, uh, when shots are fired, there are people like Susan that will run in a different direction and say, I need to come back and fight another day. And then there are those that will run towards the fire, towards the gunshots, to stand in the gap, to defend life, liberty, and property. If somebody sees the government come get me, because I'm recommending what's on the screen right now. Here, here it is. This is all I'm recommending. A peaceful means to implement across the country in 3,143 counties, 3,143 counties, what is already in place. If somebody wants to come and get me, to arrest me, silence me, to kill me, to shut me up, to have me stand down to quote unquote, come back and fight another day and me remain silent about the grand jury that exists where? It's already been implemented in Kansas and in New Mexico and North Dakota in Nebraska, in Nevada, and in Oklahoma. It's already there. If they want to shoot me because I'm telling you that, I'll take a bullet for the team. But I, now, I, I, that's not a suicidal, self-defeating thought. Uh, I will use that as an example to you uh, that, that these are tyrants and they must go and they're bad people. Why would somebody shoot me or incarcerate me because I'm asking everybody to rise up and do what other states have already done. Final question here. You ready? This is important, sir. The power in the grand jury, okay? And, you know, these states, when they implemented it, they have to have a percentage of the population. You can't just get five wing nuts and say, we're doing a grand jury and that's it. The judge needs to follow our orders. No, that's not how we work. You have to have the consent of the governed. So. If I have a county that has population 10 and seven of them have gotten together and said, not only are we going to do this, but we got seven people that are willing to serve as, as grand jury members. We have 70% of our county population stepping up, a small county, that grand jury is formed. And then we go over to a major metro area, right? And they form a grand jury. Which grand jury is more powerful based on the population? Which one is more powerful? Equal. They're absolutely equal. So here's a strategy right now. I'm going to speak of it right out in the open. 
all the red states, all the small, small counties, all of the flyover areas, all of the, you know, as President Trump says, uh, the voiceless people that are in those areas that are not part of the metrosexual, you know, Los Angeles and New York City are just as powerful. And that's how our constitutional republic is supposed to work. That the grand jury and okie doke United States of America, population 10, is just as powerful as the grand jury uh, in New York City. Population 18 bazillion stupid idiots. We have the ability right now to selectively pick those small counties, all right? Form your grand jury. And you not only have the power to make sure that people that are breaking the law within your county, you will have the power to share among grand juries information to bring indictments against people that have broken the law. If those indictments are presented to a judge, uh, Bill Ogden, a judge, first of all, oh, let me back up a second. Population 10, right? Seven people have said, we want grand juries. We want to be able to do this. We're forming a grand jury. We're going to investigate. We have probable cause, right? Uh, Mr. Uh, judge of the county, uh, we require that you, we, we have the seven people have signed off. We've petitioned you. We want you to form a grand jury to investigate these crimes. What is that judge required to do at that point? Can he say, well, I'm going to use judicial discretion and say, screw you? Or what is he required seat, to do? Seat the grand jury. That's it. Does he have a choice? Yeah, he can break the law and become subject to investigation of the next grand jury. Mm -hmm. Right. But he's required to respond to the will of the required. people. Required. He's required by petition. All right. You petition. You get the judge to say, you got to seat the grand jury. We're going to investigate. We found probable cause to do that. Here is the indictment. What is it required to do at that point to bring due process, correct? And to the, yeah, uh, it, without the involvement of the grand or with the, uh, without the involvement of the prosecutor, it's a presentment. It's a direction by the grand jury to the prosecutor, bring this person to trial. Mm -hmm. With the participation of the prosecutor, it's an indictment. So we don't have to tell him he's already there. Mm -hmm. uh, just that's a vocabulary list. Thing. Right. Now, that system has already existed. It was co-opted. Yep. So right now what we have is we have a, a, a I'm just going to just use this because everyone can relate to this. They put together their district attorneys. However they do that, we won't mention George Soros. That's secondary. Somebody seated a district attorney and he's politically biased and he co-opted the grand jury. He says, we're going to see the grand jury. We're going to feed them cookies, give them candy, give them lunch, and we're going to present the prosecutorial side of this case to the grand jury. And the person that we're targeting doesn't get the opportunity to defend themselves and present a case. The government is now running the grand jury process and it's lopsided. It's biased and it's in favor of the tyrants. Is it not? Yeah, that's where the show started. That would be my responsibility because I failed to learn what I needed to know about grand jury operations before I went and sat on one. And so I'm sitting there all dumb and I look at the prosecutor who is my inferior in this process. The grand jury is superior 
to the prosecutor, superior to the sheriff. But I'm looking at my subordinate and I'm saying, so what are we supposed to do? And he'll say, well, if you want to get out of here by lunchtime, you can do. No, no. We run this show. Once again, it's proprietary. We run this. We have three minutes. I'm going to give you uh, the final, final word after I say as follows. Susan, with all due respect, I know what they're going to do. They're going to take me out of context. They're going to tell me what I intended when I spoke. They're going to say I screamed into the microphone. They're going to say I'm a danger to society. They're going to say that I'm inciting they, 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 they. They said that President Trump meant insurrection. They, they, they said that they know what he was thinking. Mens rea, intent. And I'm going to hereby declare that I intend peace, law, love, and protecting our current lifestyle and against those that want to destroy it. And I want nothing other than the law. And anybody that wants to suggest any unlawful activity, and you're a three-letter agency, you better tell me that you're, you're surveilling an active shooter that's going to come to the mall and shoot everybody and, and not tell everybody at the mall they should leave the mall because there's information that somebody's going to come and shoot them. If you're a federal agent and you're surveilling because you're concerned about people doing unlawful stuff, please tell those that don't want to have any part of that. Tell them. Make it public. Maybe those criminals will go away. You have no legal authority whatsoever to stop me from calling for a lawful restoration of this country, to peaceably assemble, to educate the public on what their true powers are. You installing the FBI, okay, to provocateur, to prohibit me from exercising my God-given rights because I want this assembly to be gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And you want to pro pro prohibit me from doing that? That's a deprivation of rights and I shall hold you accountable. I'm hereby saying that other states have done it and I want to tell everybody that guess what? Robert Lavoie Fennekin was shot and killed because we only had one county that stepped up to do a committee of safety, city of uh, uh, a citizen's grand jury and a county militia in Burns, Oregon and Harney County. And Robert Lavoie Fennecum was shot and killed because 3,142 other counties didn't pile on and say what they're doing is right. And who won? 450 heavily armed HRT team members. Guess what? Your worst day is yet to come if you think you can do that up against 3,143 counties. And I say to General Milley, General Milley, you don't have enough troops. You don't have enough guns. You don't have enough plans. And I'm going to say to Joe Biden, you don't have any pilots that will stand with you against the American people and what I'm calling for. You don't. You have no nukes. You have no planes. You have no army. You have nothing because I will, if I were a bet man, I'll bet as follows. That even the three-letter agency people listening to my voice right now, that they'll side with us because I'm selling freedom. I'm selling freedom, and, and I don't need to use a barrel of a gun to force people to come to me. They'll come voluntarily. Can I get an amen, Bill? Amen, Bill. Final word, tacticalcivics.com, as if our lives depend on it. Yes, join in the chapter, we'll find you. Watch the 11-minute video. You want to do this for uh, your, you know, I got some of the fear talk last night on a different Zoom I was doing. 
And uh, I just hit the Bible app and I uh, did a search for fear not. You can't get to the end of what you scroll through scripturally that has be without fear, fear not, etc. Let me quote, quote Roosevelt. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear is, uh, uh, again, if you believe this, and, and I do, they were consumed by a spirit of fear. Well, let's reject that spirit of fear. Any good thing is going to be opposed. Of course. You know, when you when you get enough rats in the grain and you turn on the lights, eventually they growl at you. They go from running and hiding to turning and growling. Still got to get rid of the rats or they're going to ruin everything. Pete, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And ladies and gentlemen, we will go out uh, just with this short note from who I have selected as my commander in chief. Me. That's me. That's not, I'm not worshiping President Trump. I'm picking him. As a matter of fact, I did, I'm doing it because they hate him the most. If, if, if they have somebody else that they hate more than President Trump, I'll pick him. That's who I'm sh voting for. And this is the final battle. This is it. Everything I've done in my entire life is to be prepared for this moment in time. Ladies and gentlemen, the final battle. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. We'll see you guys for the LFA show. Take action. Take action now. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. Let's do it now. This is the final battle. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, and fascists. We will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will rout the fake news media, and we will liberate America from these villains once and for all.